0: What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this incredible episode of Tales from the Crypt. I sat down with Tucker Max. That's all I'll say. And only you think of that, it was brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking... Da-da! The freaks are liking it already. If you watch the live stream, you like it. Cash App going to be stack sets, send sets, receive sets, and sell sets. if you so please. Cash App makes it easy... To do all this, sats are the standard within the app. We're not talking bits. We're not talking whole bitcoins. We're talking sats. You bits, bitches. Get out of here, okay? <laughs> Cash app. Sats is the standard. Download the app if you haven't already. Use the code stacking. Sats is You're going to get $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. Mr. trip is also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Right down the hall. I don't know how many... Am I going to say this like every Unchained ad now? They're literally right down the hall. I see Unchained people all day. Our the sponsor, good friends. Making incredible products, more importantly. Some of the best in the space. Leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties in this is very evident in their vault product, which is a two or three multi-sig. You hold two keys. Unchained holds one key. You always have control over your sats within that vault. Uh, however, if you're ever in a pinch, you only have one of your keys and you need somebody to be the second in the two or three multi-sig quorum, Unchained is there to be that second key. Collaborative Custody, it's here to help you eliminate single points of failure. If you have all your coins on an exchange, if you have all your coins, you have multiple coins, you're, you're doing well out there. If all your sats on an exchange, uh, if you have them all in a single SIG wallet, those are single points of failure. Help distribute that risk via an Unchained Collaborative Custody vault. If you tell Unchain that TFTC sent you, and you go engage in a white glove concierge service, you're going to get $50 off the package, and the package includes multiple video conference calls to get you comfortable with the vault, with multi-sig, with Unchained. They're going to send you hardware wallets. They're going to get it all set up. They're going to set up your vault. They're going to dump a 1,000 cuck bucks worth of sats in it. And you're going to be happy because you know that you're engaged in a collaborative custody model, and your sats are secure. Your security model is distributed. It's robust. Unchained providing that. Go check it out. Unchained.com. Check out everything they have going on. This was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. 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 Ooh, car. I've actually got to pull up. Uh, we got new Brains ad. Like Brains is the team behind Pool, The oldest uh, Bitcoin mining pool in existence. Uh, they're they're also the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which helps you stack more stats with your hash. If you have a mining model that is compatible with Brains and you're not using it. You're leaving sats on the table and I'm here dragging out this ad read because I'm looking for the latest models, which they added. They had a firmware update to the Brains OS Plus firmware recently. Uh, they released firmware for the minor S19, S19 Pro, T19, S19 J Pro. For instructions on how to get the firmware, go to Brains, dot com. Click the Brains OS Plus in the top menu, then click Download Now button and select Antminer X19 from the options. Also, be sure to check out the research report on the impact of temperature on X19 efficiency, which you can find at the Brains blog. The S19J is coming soon, TM, along with general improvements for all X19 models and extending the support for more control board variations. The What's Minor M20s and M21s are also being upgraded soon, TM, to very soon, TM. Uh, Brains OS Plus runs from an SD card on X19, so it doesn't leave any traces on the hardware. If you remove the SD card and therefore won't break the warranty, very important for you miners out there, all you people who aren't miners, like, what the hell? Like, get into mining and figure it out. If you want to get unique insights on the Bitcoin mining industry along with updates on Brains OS Plus, Stratum V2, and other Brains projects, check out the Brains blog at brains.com/blog. And follow the lesser known at Brains underscore systems Twitter account where the team is posting deep dive threads on various mining topics. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at HODL, 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 HODL is here to bring you a non-custodial lending platform. It's a you know, So if you have Bitcoin, you need liquidity and you're comfortable with stablecoin liquidity, what you do is you put your Bitcoin up in a twith- two or three multi-sig escrow account on HODL, HODL. You go to lend.hodlhodl.com to find this marketplace. You put your Bitcoin in this escrow uh, as collateral. You have one key, your counterparty and the, tr- the loan has a key and Hoddle has the third key. This is beautiful. You don't have control. You can't move the sats in out of the wallet because that wouldn't make any fucking sense for this loan agreement. However, since you have a key, you have visibility in the wallet. You know your sats aren't moving and being rehypothecated as long as you're paying back your loan plus the interest associated with it. You're going to get your sats back at the end of that loan. Alternatively, if you have a bunch of stablecoins laying around and you want to get yield on those, you can enter the other side of that marketplace. Uh, You put your stablecoins up to a Bitcoiner who's using Bitcoin as collateral, looking for liquidity, you give them your stablecoins and they pay you back plus interest. It's a beautiful thing. Go check all of it out at lend.hodlhodl.com. Last but not least, this rip was also brought to you. by good friends at Bitcoin 2022. It's the largest Bitcoin event in the world. And it takes place April 6th to the 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. All four days will be jam-packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements, and incredible lineup of Bitcoin speakers, artists, and leaders. Day one is industry day for enterprising Bitcoiners who are looking to build a business or career within the ecosystem. Days two and three are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador President Nayib Bukele, was promised a big surprise, a big surprise, as well as CEOs like Michael Saylor, Elizabeth Stark, Jack Mallers, Adam Back, and hundreds more, including Marty Bennett. CEO tftc.io. The conference caps off on the fourth day with the world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival. Sound Money Fest, headlined by rapper and fellow Bitcoiner, Logic. Steve Aoki is going to be there. If you like cake thrown in your face, I don't know why you would, but some of you do, you weirdos. Steve Aoki is going to be there and he's famous for throwing cake at people. CL, I don't even know who they are. Run the Jewels, Run the Jewels. San, San Holo, Dead Mouse, who I do know. Oldie but a goodie. And many more. Last year's conference sold out and this year's is on pace to be three times larger. So make sure you grab your tickets before it's too late. Visit b.t slash conference to learn more. Pay in Bitcoin to save and use promo code TFTC for 10% off and I will see you in Miami. I'll be on stage. Matt will be there uh, and we'll both be uh, doing a live rabbit hole recap as well. Again, b.tc slash conference. Use the code TFTC for 10% off. Enjoy this rip. It was a good one. I got to go. I love all y'all. Okay. You. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all all the central banks going nuts.
1: So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat
0: currencies, Bitcoin is the victor.
1: I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be.
0: Probably should be. Oh, we're good. He's taking off his fanny pack. We've got Tucker Max in the studio the
1: fanny pack is it is actually a fanny pack it's true you know what a fanny pack in texas always means though 100 percent of the time yeah knife no the knife is in my pocket
0: (laughs) that was when i first got to texas how long you lived in texas uh since october i'm from philadelphia i moved down from new york oh dude so you're brand new i escaped new york okay
1: so do you not do you know what a fanny pack means in texas no i'm still Do do you want me to show you yes please I would say at least ninety percent of the time when you see a dude with a fanny pack,
0: he's got. It. <laughs>
1: oh shit! No, shit. Holy oh, shit! Fuck. It's scary, bro. Oh, I'm not just carrying. This thing's heavy. Well, that's wow. a that's a pretty gucci
0: out Sig 320 X carry. Yeah. As you should. Are we gonna get kicked off YouTube for this? I hope not. Probably. <laughs> well, that's the boss. Um, awesome.
1: That's the... I carry Israeli style, though, so it's not actually chambered, you know, which which a lot of gun guys are, no, no, no I always carry chambered. Ah, the Israelis do it. I can do it. Yeah. You got to be ready. But this is... You see a fanny pack in Texas. Someone's 90% of the time, dude's pack.
0: Yeah. Born and raised in Philadelphia. Uh, come from a very uh, gun-adverse family. My yeah. mother... My mother we're in downtown Austin now. Downtown Austin used to be so
1: safe. I would consider it a semi-permissive environment Yeah, now. I, I mean, I just... Oh, yeah. For you from Philly, this is like nothing. This is a kindergarten. Exactly. Well, I, <laughs> Dude, downtown Philly is like a zombie apocalypse. Yes.
0: It's horrible. Yes. Now, well, this is kindergarten for you. I haven't lived in Philly. Uh, and since I went to college, I went to DePaul. I was telling you, I went to DePaul. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both had experiences at the Ray where we got severely injured. Yep. You, your appendix burst and yep. I tore my ACL. Then I moved to New York, uh, lived in Williamsburg. Yep. For a while, COVID happened. My wife and I had a son in a studio. We're like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, so we went and lived down the shore for a couple of years. Did you do
1: home birth, actually?
0: No, no, okay. we didn't. It he was born in February 2020. Right. So right before they wouldn't let the fathers in and <laughs> the families in. So we got lucky. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we lived down the shore in Jersey for a couple of years. And it was like, things just kept getting crazier what, and crazier. Why, why would you? What, really? Why the shore in Jersey? Definitely, we were on an island with like 2,000 people. There was nobody there. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. There are certain places of it that are nice. Yeah. I forget. I always forget. That's true. Yeah.
0: Down by Cape May, Southern Tip. Right, right. Um, and yeah, so we weren't going back to Philly and shit hit the fan. Things yeah. stayed crazy. And then obviously the Bitcoin scene's popping down here. I've got a lot of. Uh, Reasons to be down here from a business perspective. And like, all right, I'm getting the fucking taxes. Yeah.
1: Apparently, like, I I have to admit ignorance. Like, I'm not that well-versed in the Bitcoin sort of social sphere. And uh, when you tweeted about me being on the show, I've got two or three friends, obviously, who are deep Bitcoin uh, people. Like, that's their identity is they're Bitcoiners, right? Mm -hmm. Before human or father or husband, they're Bitcoiners. (laughs) And uh, and literally all three of them freaked out really? and like texted me like it, I'm sure Brad's watching right now he's like how did how did how did you contact him how did you convince him to be on the show I'm like I, I don't really know him he reached out to me I'm excited to be on it seems cool but yeah you
0: know. well I, like I was telling you it's just <laughs> surreal for me like I, I was reading I hope they serve beer in hell in high school and I was very influential like meeting you now and I. I Loosely followed your uh, personal or career arc after. I hope they serve beer in hell, and uh, you, know, you started the company where you right. help people write books. Mm-hmm. And you're Which I just left literally last month. Really, mm-hmm. yep. in mickable terms, good terms. Oh yeah, of
1: course, yeah. totally. Oh yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, as good as it gets. Yeah, but it's like how because like, it's interesting having that perspective from 2009 when I was reading that book to where you are now. It seems like a lot has changed. I mean, everything. Yeah, what? Dude,
1: I, I, four kids. All with the same woman that I'm married to, right? Um, I live in a ranch an hour outside of Austin, which is amazing, with like animals, and uh, and we grow things. And uh, uh, I'm like um, as about as happy as I could be, uh, like emotionally stable <laughs> so yeah dude i'm about as opposite as i could be from the <laughs> i hope they serve beer and hell days and i don't mean it like disparagingly like uh, i was a horrible person i definitely did some horrible shit no doubt but um i was a very different person then in a
0: lot of ways i, 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 I can tell i can tell <laughs> it's uh going yeah. through the stories in that book that donut shop but uh, a yeah. story again we were reminiscing over you uh, having your appendix verse at the ray oh yeah uh, I remember that. As a 17, 18-year-old in high school, I thought they were the fucking most incredible stories.
1: You know what? That's so funny. It's Well, I wrote all those stories for my friends, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I I wasn't a hero to my friends. We were all doing the same shit, right? I wasn't even the funniest of my friends. I was just the one who wrote it down. And so, like, my expectation when I wrote those was that people would think, yeah, they were funny. But that was it, right? Oh, it's just another dude with a funny drunken story. I have funny drunken stories, too. And, And people my age basically had that uh, reaction what I totally did not expect at all which is, is stupid in hindsight but I was stupid at the time so it makes sense I didn't expect it was that there'd be a generation of people that like looked at it like amazing fantastical unbelievable aspirational shit. Like I didn't know people could do this. like And of course, high schoolers would think that because I I would have thought that in high school, right? Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, 27 when I was writing that. And so like it didn't occur to me because I was done. It was 10 years ago and I'd forgotten it. And then a whole generation of dudes were like, oh my God, you're a God. And I'm like, I got drunk and I fucked a fat girl. I'm not a God. (laughs) I'm not, I'm I'm barely even cool. Like I'm I'm definitely not a God. And there were so many dudes that deified me for a while. And at first I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I'm a God. And then of course I realized I wasn't, Uh, but it actually got annoying because clearly this didn't happen with you, but a lot of dudes would deify me But do it in a way so that they, in in a way, almost to negate themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's, I'm going to put him on a pedestal so I don't have to do the things that I want to do. Because if someone is, if someone doing cool stuff is so amazing that I can't be them, then I don't have to worry about not being them. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's almost like they're very similar to haters, except it's like the, the the photo negative of a hater. Right? A hater puts you down because they're jealous that you had the courage to do the thing they want to do but don't. Someone who worships you elevates you on a pedestal so they don't have to, in their mind, uh, uh, ask themselves the question, why am I not doing my version of that at least, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, it took me a long time to realize that, man. And and, and, and thankfully, a lot of guys obviously grew out of that. And are like, oh no, he's just a dude he just did i can do the same shit and, and and that's awesome but the ones who never outgrew that like
0: it was sad in a lot of ways yeah uh, it is sad but it, i think what really made that book particularly good is like, you can fucking write and that's i think is somebody i write a daily newsletter yeah and that's uh,
1: you realize how hard writing is when you start doing it yeah,
0: it's not <laughs> easy, but it is
1: fun. It is rewarding. It is. It is. Once you practice and you get good, and actually writing's easy. Getting people to want to pay attention to your writing is what's difficult. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, I find that, especially a daily newsletter about Bitcoin, you have to really... Oh yeah, good luck with that. Try to connect. Well, it's it's easier these days. Yeah, to I guess there's to, a lot going on now. The clown world makes it very easy. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> it's, it's true. So you can just connect.
1: But, oh, I bet you got a lot to... Didn't Biden try and regulate? Is it, did nah, I say something about that? Or is it just more nonsense?
0: Uh, we'll see. Apparently, he's going to come out with an executive order. I bet it'll be great. <laughs> uh, uh, it's going to be incredible, but it's
1: well. The federal government has such a track record of being so smart and ahead of the curve on
0: crypto. <laughs> well, not, not only crypto, everything. Uh, right, of course. The COVID response. Oh, they can, of course, they can centrally plan our economy very easily. <laughs> the They're best. doing an incredible job. It's well, that's. I mean, that's why uh, I reached out to you because right? I read first piece I've read of yours in a while. Admittedly, was the doomer optimism. The, first part of that yeah. series. And again, like Bitcoiners, uh, I think align very uh, Dude, I have a flood of
1: Bitcoiners reach out to me. Really? Like a flood. <laughs> well, you already talked about two that mm-hmm. I met in person. Um, it's so funny, man, because I like, I've always been, Man, I actually was involved not super early in Bitcoin, but quasi early. Like the the first, I think James Altucher gets credit for being the first person to sell a book with Bitcoin or something. I helped him launch that book. It was his idea to do Bitcoin. And that was in 2013. And so I like, I bought some then. I still have it. And and obviously I wish I bought more like everyone on earth. But um, I was always like, oh yeah, this is cool. Like, this seems awesome. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. And then like, since then it's like, it's weathered every attack, and uh, you know what? And it's—I and always understood the promise, right? Like that, I get it. I totally get it, it. Makes perfect sense. The only question is, is it going to work, right? And it looks like it is, and it's pretty cool. But I—I I didn't get deep into the Bitcoin uh, subculture, right? Yeah, and dude, it's a real. It's not even a. Su- it's like a. I don't want to use the word cult because that 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 uh, uh, has a lot of negative connotations. It, but it is definitely like, it's a movement is a better word. That's exactly what I was just going to say. It's yeah. a
0: movement. It's, yeah. I mean, again, if, again, somebody, I was 17 uh, when I was a senior in high school. It was 28, 2009. So the great financial crisis was happening. Yeah. I just happened to be taking like an economics elective class. Yeah. At that time, my professor uh, was very... Attuned to what was going on. He was like, gentlemen, I went to an all-guy school. He was like, pay attention. Yeah. We read through TARP. And so, yeah. like, 17, I was radicalized. Oh, wow. I was like, this is all fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went yeah. to DePaul, studied economics, worked at a managed futures fund. We traded currencies there. And then, so, like, as an analyst, I had to write commentaries on why uh, the fund was performing uh, against market movements. Right. And that dealt with me following the Federal Reserve yeah. at the time. Oh, yeah. Janet Yellen, and I vividly remember one. So you got to see the grift up close. Oh, very up close. Like, oh, yeah, the, the, I, I Keep going. The grift <laughs> for me, really, when I was like, you know what, this is complete bullshit, and I like, was tangentially paying attention to Bitcoin, uh, what really pushed me over the edge was the uh, one Fed meeting. The market started trading. Uh Positively, because Janet Yellen was wearing a purple jacket, and that 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 imbued power and and strength. And that was it is the color of royalty. Yes, exactly. It's a regal color. And you know why, right? Do
1: uh, you know the story?
0: I'd, I I don't recall off the top of my head, but I do know it is is associated with regalness.
1: It is. Do you want me to tell you why? Yes, please. It's like just a super interesting historical anecdote. All right. So um, uh, most colors are easy to essentially produce out of natural materials. Like there's a lot of ways to produce red, et cetera. Purple is very, very difficult. And the for many, many centuries, eons, the only known way to produce the color purple was essentially to smash up uh, a bunch of a certain, I forget the name, a certain mollusks that basically only grew in the Lebanese uh, Phoenician area, mm-hmm. right? Modern day Israel, Lebanon, right? And so uh, it was called Tyrolean purple because the, the city of Tyre was the main city that traded in it. And uh, and so it it was insanely expensive. The Phoenician trade. Uh, uh, you know, the Phoenicians were right. Like Mm -hmm. they were like, so, so a lot of people say their trade empire was built on purple basically. Right. And so the only people who could afford it were royalty. And it it, like, it was an honest signal of wealth because you you can't fake Mm -hmm. purple when you have to crush up, you know, whatever it was, 10 tons of mollusks to make enough purple for like a scarf or something crazy like that. And so that's how purple got associated with royalty.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. It is a scarce, hard-to-make uh, product that uh, sets you apart from the plebs, if you will. Exactly. That is exactly <laughs> yeah. true. Uh, I'm surprised, like, lavender didn't play into it at all. Yeah.
1: You yeah. mean, like, the flower? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, from my understanding, and I am not, a like, a biochemist or a color person, you can't really synthesize or you can't pull um, enough lavender to get an actual color that holds off okay. of it. But, again, like— I know just enough to tell a cool story about this and the, that's it.
0: The regality of purple. <laughs>
1: right, <I do. laughs> like if you asked me to actually make purple, I'm like, I don't, What do you want from me? <laughs> well, it's Go to the paint
0: store. And move forward to our modern day and markets are trading off of that color uh, because we have, we had a fair a Fed chairwoman wearing it. It's like, oh, strength. Dollar's <laughs> going to get stronger. That's, that's. And for me at that point, I was like 22, 21, 22 working in the West loop. I was like, this is all fucked. Yeah. Uh, yes. yeah, let me, let me, let me dive into Bitcoin. And then for me personally, my personal journey where I am now, I truly believe and why I think you're recognizing it's a movement. And I would argue that many other states and speak on behalf of many other Bitcoiners, not all Bitcoiners, but a lot of Bitcoiners believe that the core issue of our society right now is that we fucked up the money. We need to fix the money. All the, the negative Externalities. Right. It's like the
1: joke. Bitcoin fixes this. Yes, right? Yeah,
0: yes. of course. So. But, uh, you need to fix the money. The, the world cannot accurately price markets anymore because we have uh, a bad measuring stick in in the dollar and other currencies because they're essentially rubber mm-hmm. because they can be manipulated at will. Of course. Ex nihilo. Yes, obviously. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously, anyone who willing to look, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and and so that's why I think some people call it cult some people call it a movement and it's because many Bitcoiners believe very deeply that if we can fix the money, we can then begin to fix the world. That's the Bitcoin. You can't fix a bullet wound with Bitcoin, but maybe.
1: Uh, I don't know. It's a pretty funny meme. (laughs) (laughs) People shut up Bitcoin fixes.
0: (laughs) But maybe uh, if you get a sound money in the world and people are able to accumulate capital and save in the long term, they're less likely to get, uh, involved in physical conflict that would, that would result in a bullet. It, the first it is. Place. It is a very plausible argument. Yes. So what? What is your perspective on Bitcoin? I, I, the two gentlemen that you met with to talk <laughs> right. about Citadel theory told me that you're a bit skeptical of Bitcoin being able to survive a state attack. Is that correct?
1: No. 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 Okay. So overall, I love anything that helps humans exercise their sovereignty. I'm on board with. I I, I think Bitcoin's fantastic. I totally get the argument, everything. All of the logical arguments about Bitcoin, um, I think, honestly, are right. I think at a minimum, they stand up to scrutiny. Uh, uh, And I honestly, like, if I'm making a steel man attack on Bitcoin... I think that that uh, there's no doubt it's a better currency and a better approach to money. I, I don't think there's any doubt, right? What I brought up with them was the argument that I've, uh, and again, I'm not an expert in the business. It's probably a great place for me to bring this up because uh, 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 I've never heard a Bitcoiner give a real effective answer to this, right? Okay, okay. so um, let's say, let me just paint a, a basic scenario, right? Like, without getting crazy in the details. Let's say the G20 gets together, right? All world leaders, people, you know, Trudeau, Biden, all horrific sociopaths, basically, all, um, you know, uh, power-hungry, even if you don't call them evil, very power-hungry, right? All running uh, uh, the most powerful governments in the world, all have root access into the strongest militaries in the world, right? Right. Let's say they all get to... Let's say they actually figure this out. If they haven't already, they figure out, oh man, these Bitcoin dorks are actually not dorks. They're right. <laughs> you know, we're fucked, right? If we let them win, then we lose power. Because that is... that is. If you follow the argument all the way through, um, the one of the primary arguments for government and one of the primary ways they exercise power is through money. Of course, that's the converse of the argument you just made. So... Why are sociopaths going to give up power? They don't. That's, they're not going to. That's never how it's worked in history. People take power back from sociopaths. So let's say the G2, they get together and they figure this out or their handlers do, whatever. And they're like, okay, we're going to come out and we're going to, not only are we going to ban Bitcoin, we're going to roll out a central bank digital currency. Please don't pepper me with details about that because they're politicians, it's probably a stupid idea, but they have a, a quote replacement, right? Now, I, I, of course you can't ban Bitcoin. I understand you can't ban math. I understand that it's a network. I get that it will survive uh, in some form or another, right? I, get, I totally get it, true. But what they also do, they're not stupid um, uh, in all ways. So all, all of their militaries and their police forces um, have a coordinated attack and they seize, you know, the 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 offices of, let's say, the top whatever, five, ten exchanges. Doesn't have to be that many, honestly. The ones that are all, you know, uh, registered and, uh, you know, like doing business uh, above board legally. They just go attack them all, right? And take them, like, arrest them, shut them all down. At a minimum, the price of Bitcoin falls probably, probably 80%, maybe 98%, right? Possibly. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, of course it doesn't like eradicate it from the earth obviously. And in fact, uh, uh you can make a good argument that might be good for the the long-term resilience of the Bitcoin network and it blah blah. Cool, I get that. But when the when the men when the men with guns show up to take your shit, what do you do? That's always been the problem with Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Is that I'm not saying the benefit of it is it doesn't have uh, a set of sociopaths running it, (laughs) but the detriment is it doesn't have anyone, I don't want to say protecting it, but enforcing it. So it's going to require... At the level the world governments and markets work right now, it's either going to require for it to be adopted the way that that a lot of people envision a fundamental wholesale shift of the entire way that commerce and exchange works, which might be on that a good thing. (laughs) That doesn't happen slowly or easily. Uh, Or it's going to require sociopaths to voluntarily
0: give up power, which they're not going to do. No, right? they're never going to give up power.
1: Right, so... uh, The summary of the not even a critique, uh, the summary of the 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 thing that I've never been heard a great answer to is, when the sociopaths with guns show up to take uh, to shut it down, what happens then? Because they don't actually have to shut down the math of Bitcoin.
0: You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean. So yeah, I know what you're saying. So they could shut down the exchanges. They could, They it. can shut down the exchanges.
1: They can scare the vast majority of people who are using it into not using it. Right. They can put the whales enough of the whales on a run. Right. Mm-hmm. They can't. Of course, of course, they can't make it go away. We, we've seen what happens when powerful central governments try to ban it. It doesn't work. I get it. But what happens when a coordinate has set the. Even the five most powerful countries in the world, or five of the top 20, decide
0: we're going to do this. I guess we'll see. That's going to happen. So. Right? No, <laughs> I,
1: that's the thing. I've always, I've always told, man, no, but every, I'm, I'm, most Bitcoiners at this point, well, first of all, the, the ones that don't get hyper defensive and angry, will say, oh, well, they give me reasons why that's not going to happen. And I'm like, you might be right. Maybe this time will be different. And maybe this time the sociopaths will give up their power voluntarily. When has that happened in history though? Never. We got to fight for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that there needs to be a Bitcoin army because that's silly. That doesn't even make sense in terms of like a, a actual physical army. Right. Um, But uh, the only way this works is if enough people, the, count, the steel man counter. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a counter. The Steelman argument against it, or, or the Steelman counter, is uh, Bitcoin becomes so pervasive and so entrenched, and so many powerful people are bought in that it essentially—it's um, like a meme that co-ops enough uh, minds to to move for it, right? Yes. I I even get that counter argument, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, the only issue with that right now is that there is still a meat on meat issue. That that
0: I don't know where the other meat's coming from. Oh, it's right here. I'll, I'll fucking <laughs> if the fucking FBI or CIA came in here right now, and was like, give me all your Bitcoin and tell them to shut the fuck up and get the hell out of here. Like, you're never getting my private keys, Austin's and, and you're you're never getting the private Austin's keys. The last time. And, um, so hold on, but you've worked in finance.
1: Yes. Okay. So uh, did you, I have, you know, when you do like fancy stuff in, in media or whatever, you get invited to, like, I never got invited to Davos, but there's a lot of feeder organizations into Davos. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I went to a couple of events of like the feeder, the low level or, you know, the, the B list ones where you, you have to move up to get to the A list, the quote A list. Um, I don't know about you, man, but like those, uh, yeah, I, I went to of Chicago, mm-hmm. it started in Econ, didn't, didn't major, in up majoring in it for a couple of different reasons. One of them is cause I was like, hold on. A lot of this is bullshit. This doesn't even make <laughs> sense. I know which it's like uh, a lot of my professors would roll in their graves hearing hear me say that, but, uh, that's true. Um,
0: Keynesian <laughs> indoctrination is true. But, um, well, no. It, Freedman, you have the free. Yeah, school. You, you yeah.
1: Chicago is the opposite school, but still yeah. there's a lot of foundational stuff that's nonsense, especially in macro. And macro is literally just almost fundamental nonsense. But um, uh, <clears throat> I you know, I got recruited out of uh, Chicago, Goldman, you know, JP Morgan and all, like uh, all the people I've ever met in finance. And I'm not like, it's not like I'm hanging out with Jamie Dimon, but I'm hanging out with enough people that are high enough like they're fucking evil sociopaths, a bunch of them. Oh yeah. Like I'm sure you know about- I do. A- <laughs> dude, dude, those, like a lot, that's the other thing that like a lot of Bitcoiners, they're like, they're so, it, they're earnest and they're optimistic in an awesome way. But I also, not all, but I find some of them like insanely naive to that. Yes. To how evil and how awful a certain type of person in power is and what there is like literally one of the, uh, the dudes we were i was we were, you were talking about they were like no no they would never do this or that because if enough people were in bitcoin and they tried to ban it it would crash world economy and i'm like it might but those motherfuckers will do that they don't, they care. don't fucking care uh-huh. right you're you like cuz i'm like you're thinking from a logical rational standpoint about uh, and, and valuing life they don't there is a certain type of person in power that does not think in any way, shape or form like that and will burn the fucking world
0: down if you let them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to deny that. But again, even so, like this is our only shot. Like if we <laughs> we get we get the central bank digital currency or Bitcoin I don't, I don't know if it's our
1: only shot. It is definitely one of the best shots that have uh, what else is that there? I've ever seen. What else is there? So um, in 2000, when, when did Bitcoin come out? 08, 07? Uh, white Papers launched
0: 08. Okay, okay. Network so, launched so, January 3rd, uh, 2009.
1: So, uh, I didn't need that technical answer, but thank you. Um, in 06, if someone had been preaching whatever, uh, uh, whatever thing was the answer before Bitcoin, and in 06, they said, well, what other answer is there? Yeah, that's a good point. Right? So I'm not saying Bitcoin is not the answer at all. It might be. And uh, and I totally am on board with the argument that it's one of the best answers we've seen in recorded history. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm on board totally. Um, is it
0: the only one? It's the only one maybe that we see right now. I think it's the only scalable one. Obviously, you could try to. That we to see it. right now, totally. Yes. Yeah. yeah
1: but hold on, have you heard about Solana? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Don't even <know>. hear <laughs> Oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not even shitting on Solana. Yeah. I just like making uh uh, uh, uh shitcoin uh, jokes with Bitcoiners because uh, they I, always
0: get so fucking like, <laughs> Look at I should have said I should have said have you heard a doggy coin, that would have oh, been better. Ah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is all gonna—they're going to attack Bitcoin. They already are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sociopaths are coming. Well, it's already <laughs> happened, and Bitcoin survived and, and thrived, and it's awesome. You had China, one of the biggest uh, power. Like China's fucking stupid like if they really recognized the power of bitcoin oh yeah no they should have adopted it no what they should i mean Wait, but they, their sociopaths would never do that in no a years. but that and they kicked out all the they had 60 the miners per, had 60 yeah, percent yeah, yeah. of the network they could, they, right they could have, controlled they the mon- they could the have confiscated that equipment at the border yeah used it themselves and attacked the network yeah like right it. exactly that's true and they did. I didn't even think about that. Yes, they could they literally had the opportunity to completely destroy Bitcoin. To actually destroy it. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're right. They did. <laughs> and they didn't do it. Yeah,
1: because weren't sixty percent of miners in China for a while?
0: Yes. For, right? Because they
1: had all that cheap electricity in the dams and all that or yes, something, right? Yes.
0: That's crazy. And so all that hash rate came off the network last summer. Uh difficulty fell, blocks came in slower, but Satoshi's design worked and, and the network recalibrated. All that hash rate moved dispersed throughout the, the yeah, planet right, of course. and got plugged in. No,
1: I, I, the the system worked the way it was designed. Totally. So, that,
0: so that's one example. Uh, and then two, so that's, you mentioned the dams and all that. So that's where I think it, uh, the silver bullet is. There's a convergence going on right now. The Bitcoin mining industry and the energy sector mm-hmm. that is undeniably beneficial to humanity. Like once you look at the ways in which Bitcoin miners create energy efficiencies throughout the whole Uh, Supply chain of energy from upstream oil and gas all the way down to the the utilities that are providing electricity to grids.
1: Dude, I'm with you. Like Mm -hmm. that's all right, but my again, what happens when the sociopaths with guns show up to blow up the dams? Mm -hmm. No, and I mean like it sounds crazy, right? So, except, do you know, like, like, do you know anything about the history of just the United mm-hmm. States military and intelligence services and the horrible shit they've done around the world? And I'm, I, I mean, listen, on one hand, I'm a flag waving American. On the other hand, I'm like, let's just be honest about some of the horrible fucking shit this government has done. Completely right? so, like, so, you can have both, a, like, it's a paradox, but you can kind of like you to, you hold
0: both, to, right? You have to hold both in your mind. You have to be aware of both. But like so like back to the China example, that's essentially what happened. They essentially bombed the dams right, right. without bombing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's what would have happened if they bombed the dams, the network would have reacted the same way. Well, Maybe I, price falls a little bit further and all that. And so if the CIA shows up to all the exchanges and they arrest Brian Armstrong, they arrest Jack the rest Jack Dorsey, right, like mm-hmm. the Winklevite yeah, twins, yeah, yeah. uh, Jesse. I know Kao. it didn't
1: kill the network. Of course not. I get yeah. it. Totally. But like I the, the, again, the only steel man argument, honestly, <laughs> it sounds horrible. The steelest steel man argument is probably, uh, in a sense, we need to get enough powerful sociopaths that have root access to the, to some strong militaries to be Bitcoiners. <laughs> which, which in a sense is antithetical to Bitcoin, right? Uh, like those type of people don't become Bitcoiners for a reason, because they want power over people. And the whole point of Bitcoin is, is not
0: that agreed right let's zoom out from bitcoin though and just dissect the the our our modern times right now like those sociopaths people are losing faith in them by the day totally like what's going on look what's going on in canada look what's going on here i'm in texas people flee to florida texas people are fleeing with their feet to go live in free areas it seems like we're at a a massive inflection point in human history, totally. where we are deciding what We're, is our at future. At the
1: convergence of many cycles,
0: yes, totally. Yes. you can uh, yes. talk five hundred year cycles. You can talk eighty year cycles. You can yep. talk ten year cycles. Death
1: cycles, rev- empire yeah. cycles, totally. Yes, a hundred percent agree. Uh, it's why uh, I called the piece "Doomer Optimism," or mm-hmm. the movement's called "Doomer Optimism" because it's like it could go either way, dude. Like no, see, the sociopaths. All that all they're doing is. Doubling down and they're Mm going to keep doubling down because that is who and what they are, right? My favorite, dude, just look, right. this is so amazing. Look right now. This is such a good example of this. It's so mind blowing. Canada right now, there's a huge Mm -hmm. convoy of like, whatever it is, 50,000 truckers converging on the capital. Farmers just joined them. Right. Okay. Do you know how the, like, you can go on the CBC, the Canadian broadcast channel. Do you know how they're covering this? Uh, this is Canada. We're not talking about a banana republic, right? We're not talking about like whatever. Uh, I, like, I, It's funny to call something else a banana republic now. Listen to it. Go look on the Canadian broadcast channel. They're covering the convoy as truckers protesting against unsafe roads. I swear to God it's on
0: the website. Go look it up. It's insane. Try to pull it up if you can find a car. Uh, it's, it's,
1: this sounds like an insane conspiracy theory. Go look it up right now. Yeah, well, Canadian broadcast channels saying truckers are
0: protesting unsafe roads. Trudeau just got, a, he just got in contact with somebody with COVID. <laughs> he has to go in hiding for 10 days. Oh, but man. So that's the that's CB CBC. Yeah. Canadian there. broadcast channel, I think. It was so, but- Again, like, what do we have here? What we're learning right now is- like It's the same thing. Ind- but independent media is people-
1: Those are the only ones that are actually getting
0: any truth out. Well, yes. and more and more people are flocking to that. So yes, again, totally. Information age, the ability- People are
1: waking up en masse. It's yes. awesome. Yes. It's amazing and awesome. Uh, uh, Bitcoin is a huge part of that. It's great. Yes, totally.
0: And so I, I think what we need to do is embolden people out there who are typically- used to bending the knee to the sociopaths uh like hey look we have this information we can prove that it's all bullshit like here's a, a solution to get away from this bullshit and protect ourselves from this kleptocratic elite and get away from them uh can we change minds convince minds then give people the confidence like all right maybe we should not be listening to the cbc to cnn to all these yeah I, you know i mean i get that right i get that argument um are we doomed
1: for no for chaos? No. Oh, we're definitely chaos is it's already here. It's upon us. Yes, Right. And it's, I think, I think it's the only question is how much more chaos, how big, you know, that's, that's it. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man, Uh, you get this question a lot, right? Um, I'm not entirely sure. Well, first off, like sociopaths don't let you go. Right. Like I, you ever been in in a toxic relationship or an abusive relationship? The abuser doesn't want they they don't just let you go. And, I, and I'm not even talking about like a serious extreme one. I'm talking about just like, like a friendship where someone's a user and it's like, you know, keep calling. Hey, let's do this. Like that's a form of not right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets worse and worse and worse as as the more enmeshed you get. Um man, I'm not gonna tell you I have the answers because I don't. Uh, but uh, I am not really sure that um, I, so I'll, I'll tell you who I look to for guidance one of the groups of people I look to for, did you find it? I think this might be the one I, it was up this morning
0: protest was no, 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 no. expected to cause disruption throughout Ottawa no, 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 no. The, it,
1: it, it was on um, we'll just, we'll just it on CBC. You, you can find it, I promise um <coughs> The fact that it's not even the headline on CBC tells you something though. Like this is the only thing going on in Canada and they're not even covering it. And when they do, I'm telling you, the Vancouver, it was about Vancouver truck drivers protesting icy roads. Um, so the people that I pay attention to uh, are the ones for guidance. Some of them are the ones who, who just spent... Uh, A couple, many decades living under some of the worst sociopaths the world's ever seen. Communist countries, right? Mm -hmm. So who dealt with that well? So like, you know, Vaclav Havel, those sorts of people, Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, he wrote a great book, not his most famous called, I think it's called Power to the People. And it's basically about how to exist eh, 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 Uh, not necessarily how to exist with them and how to deal with those sorts of people. And one of the main things he talks about is building parallel structures, right? So so much of what people talk about is, Bitcoin's an awesome example of a parallel structure, right? So much of what people talk about is fighting the bad guys, however Mm -hmm. they define the bad guys, right? Um, I I think anything you fight, um, you make stronger, Right, and I mean that in a meta sense, and almost in in every literal sense. Fighting actively fighting something is not the same as defending yourself. Right, like defending yourself, holding boundaries is great. That's a different thing. Um, the more I think people focus, if we focus on how awful and evil the mainstream media is, let's say uh, at how how much they lie, that's right. You know, all that's gonna do, but that now they've set the frame. Right, and the frame is: mm-hmm. are, are we telling the truth or not? They've won. Whatever frame you're living in, whoever sets that frame has won. And so that's one of the, the. I mean, I've been in media twenty years, man. It was one of the first things I learned was: wait a minute, this doesn't see. Not only I thought everyone kind of told the truth. Not only do they not tell the truth, they're actively lying. Holy shit, this is all bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you figured out in finance, I figured out in media, uh, and so. The thing I've learned, though, man, is that the only way out—if you fighting it—is not a way out. Fighting it just keep—it's almost like you know the tar, the 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 tar baby, right? You touch it and it pulls you in more, right? Mm-hmm. So what I've found instead, the better situation, identify it, recognize it, sure, build your own thing. Yep, build your own thing, a hundred percent. You know, and and, and now attracting others to your thing, right? Helping them uh, uh, build their own thing is you can either you build your own thing to suck other people in and now you're just another one of them or helping people build their own sovereignty. And Bitcoin is a hundred. It is the thing for that, right? For money. But there's, uh, a lot more to it than just than money not to put money is an important part i mean exchange of energy i get the whole you know the whole thing and it's awesome but then like i i think further like what about emotionally what about where where does my food come from where does mm-hmm. my water come from where does my energy come from physical actual energy electricity where um you know where do i live right um uh, what am i build this why i bought a ranch right? It's not like, I'm not trying to escape. I'm trying to build my own thing for me and my family and then a community around, right? And then of course, uh, to me, focusing on who you are and what you want and what your work is and doing that is actually the way you win. Now, I know part of that can sound pie in the sky. I don't mean oh yeah, we can just ignore the sociopath and leave us alone. No, that's not going to work either. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's unfortunately not going to work, right? Um, So yeah, we got to recognize if someone else uh, or some group of people is coming to take our shit. Like, yeah, and we're going to have to set boundaries and we're going to have to protect ourselves uh, in the best way possible. But at the same time, if that is, if, if, that is your identity, then you are now in their
0: frame and you have lost. Yes. Um, Bitcoiners are big on control of the frame. Because we, in the mining industry, so I'm in the Bitcoin mining industry right. myself, and people are trying to set the frame. Uh, on the mining industry, it uses too much energy. Oh, which is such nonsense. Yeah. Like, uh, and so I hold up a mirror to them and go, no, no, no. Bitcoin makes us more energy efficient. And you in are a actually, huge way. you are actually anti-human yes. and you are, you want us yes. to use less energy, which yes. has never led to a better outcome for humanity. No, no. So,
1: well, that, that, you, that's a dude the, you know, the fight over in environmentalism happened about 40, 50 years ago and the anti-humans won. They're not. They're, it, I, they, did mainstream they did win. Yes. They did win. The, the the ones who were about stewardship and cons- conservation and, and 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 harmony lost. The sociopaths went to the control side, to the anti-human side, and they won. The monkey wrenchers and all those people is horrible, man. Because like, think about this. Like, I, I own a ranch. I'm a hunter. I raise animals. I am every single, and I actually grew up on my grandmother had a beef cattle ranch. Like I've been doing this my whole life, um, in some form or another, uh, uh, since I was very young, and um, man, I I couldn't care more about the, like like. I understand where our food comes from. Mm-hmm. I understand that garbage in is garbage out <laughs> on a very, very core level with a, uh, the literal uh, uh, physical molecules of our existence. I get that. And like there, is, there should be no greater ally of the environmental movement than the farmer and the rancher and, and everyone involved in that chain. Yet somehow they, they're seen as enemies because the sociopaths won on the, the it, it, they, they co-opted the environmental movement and now what you're starting to see for, forget what global warming or not right that actually doesn't matter what's coming is look how it's playing out humans shouldn't be doing shit you shouldn't be having kids you should the, 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 the core argument a lot of them make it is you shouldn't be alive yeah
0: there's too many it's people it's a fucking on this planet. death cult <laughs> yes
1: like uh That's another great reason to focus on yourselves and build your own shit is because if you leave the death cultists alone, they eventually turn on themselves. Yes, they will eat themselves. They do. If If you don't provide them a target, almost always they eat themselves. Yeah, and it's happening.
0: It's starting to happen. We were seeing it with the clown world with the crazy woke culture. If you're not... On the the extreme end of the spectrum. Oh, yeah, and then it an keeps enemy.
1: going further and further and further, yes. right? Because it's a mental illness yes. and they're going to keep going. So the more you pull out of it, if you if you engage in a fight with them, you've now given them an enemy and you can be the bad guy. If they don't have an enemy, they turn on themselves because yeah. that's what they're looking for. They're projecting their shit outwards.
0: Yeah, you're explaining. It's
1: basic projection yes. on a basic psychological level.
0: Yeah, yeah we're, we're seeing... So you're basically saying go Galt's Gulch on them, right? Like just go. No, 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 uh, um, no, 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 no.
1: I liked Anne Rand in high school too, <laughs> right? And and then, and then I, I hate to be dismissive. I liked Anne Rand in high school and then I grew up, Okay. you know, and okay. I don't mean, uh, I was talking about this last night. Um, I used to put, put in a bundle. Mm-hmm. individualism, freedom, sovereignty. Yeah, those are all f- cluster together. Now, um, I put sovereignty right next to community and individualism, not bad, but just as far apart. Okay. Right? Uh, pretty far. And freedom's probably in between, right? Sovereignty, freedom, individualism. I actually, sovereignty to a lot of people means uh, or feels like man on an island, off the grid, that shit doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Humans are network beings. Like if you think you're off the grid, you're one fried coupler away from realizing, oh fuck, I'm real dependent on China, right? You know, (laughs) like, and even, no, no, no. I've got multiple redundant systems and backups for backups for backups. And it's like, where'd they all come from, Mm -hmm. right? So what are your kids gonna do? Yeah, okay right yeah. you're you're on so uh, we are networked beings and th- we we know what happens when humans are raised without other humans around they're not they're they're like animals yes. right it's horrible it's but it's happened so uh, uh, the idea that we exist without other people is just horrific toxic nonsense
0: yeah well. the, the
1: question is not can you be without other people the question is who do you want to be and who do you want around you what is your community Right. Who consciously choosing your community, choosing who you want to be and then your community, attracting those people or joining that existing community or some combination. That's what how I see sovereignty is the ability for me to make myself the way I want to and then be with the people who have aligned views that we who all choose to be together. Right. I don't see sovereignty in community. I, I think it's almost impossible to pull them apart. Right. Yep. Um, Whereas like a lot of people see individual, it, it's a really, it's a very nefarious way to co-opt freedom. Right. So, oh, it's individual into this individual that And it's like, man, but we all do exist in a system, man. You know, mm-hmm. like I can think I exist independently, but it's not true. Just not. Now, does that, of course, we can go down the whole philosophy rabbit hole with that, right? And where does the line, draw? I get it, Yes. right? Yes, yes. I'm not trying to go down that whole rabbit hole. But to me right now, what I, I realize is, oh, I could not be more in on sovereignty. And the, the right there with it is community. Like, who, who mm-hmm. am I going to be around? Who am I going to be? And who am I going to be
0: around? Yeah, I mean, part of the reason I moved to Austin, Texas, to be around people working on this mission to... To bring Bitcoin to fruition. And on the elevator ride up, you were, so it seems like you're trying to build, uh, at least you're building your safe haven within what you hope to be a larger community of like-minded individuals. And you uh, doing this out around Dripping Springs. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't call it a safe haven. No? No, um, I'll tell you why. I don't believe there are any more safe places. (sighs) No, truly. Has there ever been? Probably not. Well, I'll tell you, there was a period uh, we just came out of it in America. Mm-hmm. I think for the for the last, let's call it 1946 to 2016. Let's just say roughly, mm-hmm. right? And don't don't pick at my dates. In that period, if you were America, if you were an American in America, you were probably as safe as any human has ever been anywhere. Maybe a Roman. You can talk about a Roman in Rome during certain periods of the Republic. You know, or maybe even the empire. Uh, there's a couple. Of, yeah, we can go to like, if you were a Mongol during uh, the late stages of Genghis, or the the stages of Ubed- uh, Ogadai and I forget his son after that ruled. Um, uh, like, uh, you were extremely safe. Um, there have been, there have been brief shining pockets of true safety in places, mm-hmm. but they were all enforced by people. Yeah. I don't believe there are any more safe places. I believe there are only safe people. And so what I am trying to do is become a safe person mm-hmm. and attract other safe people. We are in a place and that place is definitely going to be safer than most places. I'm not foolish enough. to Like, oh, my place is totally safe. No, nothing's totally safe. That just doesn't exist.
0: That's a, it's a dark view of the world. No, I think it's just realistic, man. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's not. It, I I don't know how it's sort of like there's, I don't think there's any way for light to exist without dark.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Okay?
1: I don't think there's any way for safety to exist without risk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it, it, like risk in and of itself does not, I don't feel it is good or bad, evil or whatever. It just, it kind of is what it is, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, some risks are acceptable, some aren't, and they vary per person, you know? I mean, I know some people were like, you're only an hour away from a major blue city. That's nowhere near far enough. It's like, all right, well, if the refugees start pouring out, then they're going to hit me first, you know, or whatever. So, like, no, like, seriously, they're on the continuum of preparation. They're people way further. Well, I think uh, it, I think they. it's
0: hilarious that people shit on Austin. Again, coming from Philadelphia, New York, Chicago. Right. People are like, oh, you're going to Austin? It's a shit-lib city. I come down here, like, compared to... <laughs> Those three. I mean, this, is, this is. Those are Texans that say that because yeah. it is a shit live city to us now. Yeah. Yes. The uh, Texans are like, "Oh, what are you doing in Austin? Like, have you ever uh, lived in the Northeast?" Well,
1: you got to remember. So I got here 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. When I got to Austin, it was quote a blue city. It was, it was such a great city because it had all the benefits of a blue city, but was run by like uh, it could, could run like with a red ethic. So we kind of had the benefits, all the responsibility, everything worked. It was great, but then you had, you know, culture and freedom and individuation. It was a perfect mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it has tipped over in the last, uh, really about six months before COVID. And COVID only accelerated it. Um, uh, this specific administration that came in are the worst kind of woke blue types. Like, don't, I'm old enough to remember when the bad guys, and I'm talking about from a, a sovereign, uh, uh, a human-loving perspective. The bad guys were on the right. Yeah. Dude, when I first started writing my books that you loved, almost all of my critics were the, 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 the sort of stereotypical fundamentalist, Christian, shame-based, how dare you talk about sex publicly types. Mm-hmm. Those motherfuckers don't even exist anymore. <laughs> right. Like that energy has all shifted. It's, they're all now on the left and it's all the woke. But it's the same energy. It is the same fucking energy. It is deeply internalized shame that is projected outwards. Whether it's coming through Christianity or coming through critical race theory, it it operates the same. Yeah. Like it's It's, fucking, I am 46 and I've literally seen the arrows go from one side to 180 degrees on the other, but the same arrow. Coming from the same basic type of person, it's nuts,
0: man. It, it's really weird. It's funny that meme's been going around of the the two cars driving past each other with different bumper stickers. It's like in the 70s, liberal was like anti-vax. Uh yes, it, totally. Down yeah. with the corporations, a big farm, and right. this one's like, take your vax, like trust, trust right. the science. It's like what what the hell happened? Yeah. What the hell happened to the hippies? They completely turned into what they hate. I
1: know, I know. And now and now the fucking ranchers are like I ain't taking that death metal injection and and, like, <laughs> yeah. and keep, keep your hands off of me. And uh, oh, dude, now it's like
0: totally switched. It's weird. Why why is this happening?
1: Because some types of people believe in sovereignty in humans and some people have succumbed to shame. Right. That is a simplistic well, explanation, I think, but well, I think
0: it's there's a lot of truth. It's there. Simplistic, but there's a ton of truth in it. And I think it reverts back to something we were talking about earlier, which is like the anti-humans won. They've really driven...
1: In academia, they won. Yes. That's what woke is. Wokeism is a death cult personified. It mm-hmm. is. And it's such a
0: sneaky death cult. It's so
1: well-structured in terms of a medic cult. I know so many uh, uh, people who are like, uh, well, we're totally aligned, sovereignty. And, and in summer of 2020, they were could not have been marching harder in the, the woke Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. Because... I want to be a good person. This is their thought part. I want to be a good person. And if I'm a good person, I'm saying these things and I'm believing these things. It captured their minds.
0: I have a black square on my Instagram. Right. No, right exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, that one was the most infuriating. Well,
1: but it, it's easy to make fun of like some soccer mom who like uh, doesn't have any black friends and lives in the suburbs and put up. I'm talking about people who actually do shit in their lives. I'm talking about people who actually who do care. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it 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 fooled them too at the
0: beginning. Like, that's how powerful that, that mimetic virus was. And it's cascading into, like, a massive sunk cost fallacy where a yeah, mass yeah, amount of yeah, people yeah. do not want to admit to themselves that they were duped. Dude, I, I mean, it's crazy now. Uh,
1: masking has become a religion for some people, dude. Truly. Like, not masking. And and, and uh, 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 it's funny, the... Cra- Three years ago, the anti-vaxxers were the crazy religious people, and now the vaccinate everything every week people are the are the lunatic. Like it's switched sides now. Well, Well, I mean,
0: and this is I go back and forth. I have have a Marty Jones aspect. People think I I, I get as crazy as Alex Jones, but like uh, the the pushing forward with the fourth booster, taking in all the information that we have is leading me to believe there's some like nefarious intent behind it. So many, so many people. It's. So, I don't want to be there. So many it's hard people. hard not to believe
1: that. It, so many people that I know. When I was like, guys, this is you know, last year and tw- late 2020. I'm like, this is a scam. This is something's going on. I'm not going to pretend I can tell you exactly what it is or who the players are. Something is going on. Just because I know media, I know media, I I know media so well. I knew not in March, but I like, extend the article by by May of 2020. I knew it was a scam right? Something, something somewhere was a scam, and then it just got worse and worse and worse this time. Um, and everyone who knows media knew. Just like all the people I know who really know uh, public or health and like all the you know, medical stuff, they're like, what the fuck? None of this makes sense from an actual medical perspective, right? Vaccinating during a pandemic Dude, breakout. I mean, and... well, so, uh, I, like, anyway, so a lot of people who like, I had no idea how many people not only didn't think for themselves, literally just took the opinions that were assigned to them from their TV. I thought I knew that a lot of people did that. Let's say if I thought fifty percent of people did that, turns out it was like ninety, and I, 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 I had no idea how many people literally just took their opinions from NPR, CNN, or Fox News. whatever. It's not like it's only one side, no. like, uh, uh, um, and like, okay, that's what they say, and then blah blah. I'm like, i mean, looking at them like. You're not even human right now. You don't think this. You know, my favorite question I started asking people, and I can't tell you how many people I I, I mentally broke with this or got them out of their bullshit. No, seriously. Uh, someone would be like, oh, well, blah, 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 whatever we're talking about. And I'm like, okay, so I, I, I get your point. Let me ask you a question. What evidence would you have to see that would change your mind? Oh, dude! And then I would just stay on. No, no, no! I'm not saying it's true. I'm not arguing this is going to happen. Pro-vaccine, it doesn't matter. Anti-vaccine, I don't care. Tell me what evidence, because so I can understand your evidence better. I always frame it as understanding your evidence, right? So I can. So tell me what evidence that, if existed, right? And I'm not saying it will, but if it did, that that you would cause you to change your mind. So like a true, like you ask a true evolutionary biologist this, they'll give you. Oh, well, if we found. A, a verified rabbit skeleton and the Triassic, uh, uh, you know, uh, layer, we'd know for sure evolution was wrong or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like any real scientist can tell you immediately what would negate people. Uh, you, you you get them enough and get through one or the one or two things they remember from Vox or whatever, and they break mentally because they realize— that that they haven't unconsciously realized they didn't reason themselves into any of these positions. They are just repeating bullshit they heard. And now they th- what the question is are they going to admit it to themselves or not? Yeah. And so yeah. they and they start, stuttering they either get angry or some of them actually will figure it out. Usually they'd figure it out later and come back, right? And be like, fuck yeah. And then they start to wake up. Even though they don't even know, but they start to wake up out of that.
0: Yeah. That that's I think that's the biggest hurdle we need to get over as a as a society right now with this COVID shit is get out of the sunk cost fallacy. Like, and Man, it's easy that. to say that. To I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. I <laughs> know.
1: That's like being skinny and being like, hey, fat person, just lose weight. Don't mm. eat more. Like they, a whole, there's a whole, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, if, if you really want to help people get out of the sunk cost, if you, again, if you approach them fighting, Mm-hmm you're, you're going to embed them more in what they believe. Yes. Right? That's why, like, uh, uh, and it's not like I'm some genius who came up with this. Like, it's not that hard if you understand persuasion and memetics and the way brains work. If you actually ask, I ask people this question from a place of sincerity and care. And I always, whatever they say, I'm like, yeah, no, I, I get your point. I get it. There is a logic to it. It makes sense. I see why you believe it. I'm not saying anything's going to contradict it, but just explain to me so I understand the evidence, the landscape of the evidence really well. What, what evidence would cause you to change your belief if it existed, just if play with me, right? Because they have to get themselves out of that position. You cannot do it for them. Mm -hmm. It just, that is one of the major myths, like, Anyone who's in the, in the in the broadest the therapy movement any any good therapist will tell you you cannot do your patient's work for you same thing all you can do is help them see it's up to them if they want to look
0: man yeah and and this is for, this is for a lot of things right and right now we're talking covid specifically so for me when i figured out the monetary system was fucked up and the financial system was fucked up i was like all right you're describing media you found out media was fucked up but once you see Something that you took for granted for your whole life yeah. uh, is fucked up. Wait, you
1: mean the dollar's not backed by anything? Wait, <laughs> it's backed by debt? Yeah. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> That's, <Hold on. laughs> That's my favorite. People are like, no, the American dollar's not backed by anything. I'm like, no, you're wrong. That's where you're
0: wrong. It's, <laughs> it's backed by debt. Backed by future production.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's backed by the U.S. government's ability to bring a gun to your house and take your shit if you don't pay taxes. <laughs> yes. Debt. Yes. And they're like, what? No. No. No, that they
0: don't, like, everyone in finance knows it. I swear, seven out of ten people you ask on the street, like, man, on the street questions, will tell you that's backed by gold still. Yeah, that was true in 1968. 1971. What the yeah, fuck happened in yeah. 1971? Richard so, Nixon. But it comes down to all, like, everything is fucked up. The money's fucked up. The <laughs> the response to the pandemic's fucked up. Food's fucked up. That's the that's other thing, too. It. Common sense reaction to this like hey maybe you should get healthy and instead of injecting yourself with four, no, four shots is never being healthy doesn't make money for sociopaths in charge no like ah are the sociopaths always going to win i like, are we a peak sociopath right now oh, fuck. what a great question like, holy
1: fuck hold on sociopaths always i'll tell you what
0: like does the information age allow us that's, that is actually you might have been asking
1: that like glibly but that's such a deep deep question um the best answer i can give you is they're always gonna win unless unless people stand up and say no the only way they don't win is if you decide you're going to win hmm Right And winning, and I actually redefine winning. When, sociopaths win because they get you to play their game. When you stop playing their game and you play your game, whatever your game is, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you're able to win. You can never win their game because they set it up. It, it And of course they're going to set it up so that the house wins. It's like going to Vegas and expecting... Uh, uh, to beat the house, some people do, mm-hmm. but on net,
0: the, uh, the on net the gamblers lose. The casinos are still up and running, been profitable for for many many decades.
1: Many billionaires printed off of off of casinos, right? So, uh, like, I mean, shit, dude, I could have gone to work at Goldman Sachs and been super fucking rich and been one of those horrible fucking sociopaths, and I probably would have been a high level sociopath. Uh, probably not one of the highest, but I'd have been one of the lackeys of one of the highest. And uh, no doubt, man, I could have gone that route. You could have too. You were in mm-hmm. that funnel. Yes. So was I.
0: Well, that, that gets into an interesting thing. Like our sociopaths rise to power because of the way the incentive structure of the systems that they manipulate. That they
1: created or yes. or took over and co-opted. Yes. Dude, I was talking about this yesterday. Jordan Peterson's in town, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's, uh, I know him, uh, and, uh, Michaela, pretty well. And so I was, uh, we were uh, talking about this and like, man, I love Jordan to death. He's such a great dude in so many ways, but it has been very painful. The discussions I've been like, dude, you've, when are you going to realize that all these institutions that you came up with and that you loved, and that may have been great for you, pretty much they're all infiltrated and corrupted and broken. Mm Mm-hmm. And finally, he's like, yeah, I think you're right. I'm like, yeah, Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. I've been trying to tell you this and meet a lot of other people for quite a while, dude. And it's hard for him because, you know, he's older, right? And so he he was telling me, like, you know, when he was at McGill, it was like a great place to be a a psych grad. So he had great professors. Like, yeah, not all of them taught well, but but like the system worked for him there. And then he got to Harvard and he's like, man, I had such great peers. And, And so it worked. And so it's like, if the system works for you, of course you think the system works, mm-hmm. obviously, right, it, dude? It's so funny. I've my CEO, of my company, the guy who um, took over for me and who's a total badass is the reason the company is good. Uh, is uh, uh, half black, half white, and mm-hmm. his dad was like a like an actual like beat women, sell their bodies, pimp like yeah. a, like a pimp, and his mom uh, was white. One of his dad's hoes. Like, so like seriously, God. I know, right? <laughs> um, and so not, like not he's he's seen no, it's like you have to laugh or you cry because it's like horrific. He's seen the true underside of America, grew up on welfare, like the worst shit ever, and pulled himself out, man. And um, and it's he it's funny, he we talk about this, he goes, he goes, man, he goes, I'm not glad that all this shit's happening. He's like, but it's fucking fun to watch a lot of people wake up and realize what some of us have seen for 50 years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, shit's been fucked up for a long time. It just has not been evenly distributed at
0: all, in any way, Um, shape, or form. And this is something that really, my college, my time in college was really impactful on the future trajectory of my life. I studied economics also, coming from the Northeast, I played lacrosse, and I helped start an intercity lacrosse program in Chicago on the west side. So what you're though.
1: saying is you're really, really fucking privileged.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, mean,
1: I can't I mean, had to
0: make the joke. Can't deny it, but uh, eh, no, I worked hard. My parents worked. My parents own a coffee shop. They're not like crazy. Um, but I, I'm fucking with you. Yeah. Dude. I'm but, totally fucking with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I think a lot of the problems— that persists throughout America, particularly today, stem from the dissolution of the nuclear family. And that started in inner cities.
1: Right. So take a step back. Why do you think nuclear family, why do you think that happened? You're you're picking a pretty arbitrary, I don't disagree, mm -hmm. but you're picking an arbitrary starting. It's not like the nuclear family just decided to start disintegrating.
0: No, I think there was a, a concerted effort to replace the father with the state. You push there both you parents into there you go. Yeah. You push both parents into the workforce, and, uh-huh. um, you you create an incentive system where the father doesn't have to be around, right? And <laughs> love it or hate it, parents are pretty fucking important. Each one has their role. Um, and father, that's the thing I noticed. They are teaching lacrosse to young young boys are typically being raised by their, their aunts or their grandmothers. And you could tell they were, they had this second, third, fourth grade had this void. Um, Me? Yeah. My dad was gone. Really? From the time I was a year old. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean. You're one of the few to make it, make it out for yourself, right? uh, Yeah. But look at the road I took. It was rough, man. I,
1: I, I turned it into something that produced a lot of enjoyment and laughter for a lot of people. Um, how old are you now? 32? 30. 30. Okay. When's the last time? Uh, I'm asking a curiosity, not like a, um, any other weird way. Um, when's the last time you read, I Hope This Heard Beer No? Yeah, <sighs> well, It was like
0: t- my early 20s. Okay. okay.
1: All right. All right. <laughs> so um, you have one kid, right? And now they're on the way? Yes. Okay. So you're a totally different dude now than when you read the book, right? Oh, yes. Okay. I just did this. I just went back and read, I hope this would be on hell for the first time since I was 32, I think, or 31. Mm -hmm. About your age now. Now, you seem way more mature. Like, I'm a... I married a woman ten years younger than I, than I am, and we're about the same emotional maturity. Like I'm, I'm, am <laughs> six, and emotionally, I feel like about a thirty six to thirty eight in terms of emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. Smart, yeah, I'm off the fucking charts, but emotional maturity is I'm, I've always been very slow. You're right? lagging. I'm lagging. Definitely lagging. Right. Um. I just read the book again. Of course, there are parts that are brilliantly hilarious. Whatever. You know, and I knew it was there when I wrote it. But it wasn't conscious, and I wasn't trying to put this in. Do you know the overwhelming feeling I got reading that book now? And I bet you would see it if you read it now. I bet it would come through in a way you didn't see it all when you were reading it first.
0: What could have been if I wasn't doing this? Or no, no. I,
1: Dude, I'm not ashamed no. at all of what happened, if man. I, had, I, I, I turned a lot of my pain into great art. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fin. I'm not, obs- I, I'm not ashamed in any way, shape, or form. I, there's definitely things I did that were wrong that I, um, I'm de- I definitely regret doing. Actions, not the books at all. Fuck no. I'm not ashamed mm-hmm. of that. I'm proud of that. Yes. Of the, the, the accomplishment of the books and all.
0: Fuck yes. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I wish there was somebody there to tell me I was
1: fucking up. No? No. Mm-mm. What is it? The overwhelming emotion I had reading it now was deep grief and sadness for that kid because he was so fucking lost and he had no idea. Mm -hmm. He had no fucking idea how fucked up and how lost he was. And he was in so much pain and he was trying to deal with his pain through partying and whatever, which was the only way he knew how. And it wasn't dealing with any of his pain at all. But uh, I just, I felt so sad for him, not in a pity way. Just like, it's like, Oh man, like all of the emotions I've had to deal with over the last 10 years, right? Like in, in my healing process and my therapy process, I can see them all in the books. Um, and I had no fucking
0: idea when I was writing, none, but it was there. Yeah. None. Well, that Talk about like deep, I mean, I, your, your formative years, like you need, you, like so- what do you think, Drew? Of why do you have this grief? Do you think that that person had an u- subconscious, unconscious, almost no, no, yearning for
1: you? You, you, without knowing it, you brought it up. Um, so I, I, I think I'm a classic '80s '90s kid. Like, uh, uh, it's easy to look at me like, oh, uh, privilege or whatever. Man, I'm the opposite of privilege in a lot of ways. A lot of ways, and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to get into victim Olympics here, right? <laughs> the, the opposite of that. But I, like, I want to point. Out, it's easy to look at someone from the outside and say that, right? But until you know their struggle, and I think everyone has a serious struggle, um, uh, I'd be very careful. Not that you use that word, but I use that word. <laughs> but I'd be very careful throwing anything like that around. I had an extremely difficult childhood uh, for the exact reason you talked about. Totally broken home. Dad left at a year. I think maybe I was a year and a half. Um, uh, Both my parents were totally fucked up. And like, I mean, they're not horrible people, right? No one beat me. No one put anything on my butt. There was no horrible sexual. No, I mean like that, that's all horrible abuse. And that's real. But the narrative for that abuse is pretty well established in our society. Thank God, because there used to be no narrative for it. So that's a major improvement. But I'll tell you what's coming behind that right now, because I'm kind of on the vanguard of this with psychedelic therapy and with some other stuff. What's coming behind that is the real and everyone in, in psychology knows this. And not many people are willing to talk about it because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, fuck, right? Like the housing crisis, like <laughs> the people who saw it coming were like, oh no, right? Um. The worst, you can actually look at the studies. Um, uh, There's a a famous study about this, the Adverse Childhood Effects Study, the ACE study. Very famous. You can take the ACE quiz and see your childhood trauma. Um, Basically, a 1 to 10 score. I scored a 10 out of 10, which is like kind of breathtaking. Uh, It shocked even me. ACE study uh, and a bunch of others. The, the trauma that actually has the, 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 the most detrimental long-term health and life effects on a child is relational trauma, neglect and abandonment. Mm-hmm. When they started the study, the, 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 the psychologist thought for sure physical and sexual abuse would show up the worst and it was bad, no doubt, right? But the worst shit was actually not, uh, the, it, when you're teasing it out, The worst life effects uh, uh, were uh, correlated most strongly with relational trauma. And so, like, there's a—I think that is the poison that is moving through society right now, man. And I I was suffering it. My mom— both of my parents were boomers, iconic baby boomers. My, my parents met at one of George Young's Coke parties in Manhattan Beach. Not, oh, no, shit. seriously, the movie Blow, mm-hmm. like that dude, right? You know, he talks about like you live in Manhattan Beach and the Pan Am flight attendant. My mom was yeah. a Pan Am flight attendant and my dad was a stockbroker in LA and they met at one of his parties, right? Um, or it was either him or one of his cronies, who knows? But it was that scene in LA, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're iconic baby boomers, totally emotionally broken. Like not evil people at all. They did the best they could, but they, the best they could was a disaster. They shouldn't have had a kid. They didn't, my mo, my, my dad, I'll be straight about it. It's fine. My dad didn't want, my mom got pregnant through birth control. My dad didn't want her to have me. Uh, She decided she was going to. He left after I showed up. Um. Uh. Like, my mom was completely emotionally unequipped to have a child. She's still a child. She had a pretty uh, emotionally, verbally abusive mother. I know because my grandmother was like that and horrible. So like she basically just passed that shit down to me. I uh, did the same thing to me her mother did to her, except not quite as bad actually. So she was a, an improvement, honestly, but totally emotionally unavailable. So as a young kid, I had a, my dad not around. My mother was a flight attendant for Pan Am. She would leave me with babysitters for like, Two weeks at a time. And dude, and she actually left me with decent people, right? Which is like, it's not like it's like, oh, I was, you know, in some horrific satanic uh, child pedo ring. No, none of that horrible shit ha- Thank God. Uh, it was like just, I was a little kid. I mean, you have a little kid, right? Yes. What happens when your little kid finds himself or herself alone for like 10 minutes? Freak out. Freak out, right?
0: We have to sneak
1: out the door. Welcome to my like, whole childhood. Yeah. Right. And so you asked, it's a great question. Where's the grief come from? Dude, I had such an incredibly lonely childhood on a deep core emotional level. And the only talk therapy for years never got me into that. I, I intellectually recognized it. I never felt any of that. Right. All of that trauma was stored in my body, all that emotion. I'm not talking metaphorically. If you don't understand how trauma stores in the body, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kirk. He's like, He's a BU researcher. He's one of the, the leading researchers in trauma. He's like kind of like the guy in trauma. Him and another guy, Peter Levine. Just go read that book. It explains the whole thing. Um, and so anyway, so I couldn't get to it until I did MDMA therapy. And that's what cracked me open, man. Like the first time, like Molly, right? Like ecstasy. That's your pinned tweet right now. It is. I wrote a piece about the first two MDMA therapy sessions I did. Dude, everything I have good in my life right now, I have good because I decided to go on a healing journey and because I did psychedelic therapy and the work around it. Like a lot of people like, well, they'll meet me like i want to have what you have like i just take mdma everything's great i'm like no dude this is not a magic pill it's the opposite of a magic pill it is a pandora's box it opens up all the shit you're hiding from and then you got to deal with it and so it's like i always tell people man with the most sincerity i can do not do this unless you are ready to go through hell because whatever hell is inside of you that you have been running from, and it doesn't matter. If you had the tiniest little trauma and I had the worst ever, it doesn't matter because your trauma to yours is just as bad as mine is to mine. So there's really no comparison, right? Whatever you have that you're hiding from, it's going it's going to bring it up.
0: You got to be ready to confront it too. You, I mean, you got to
1: be ready. To, don't If you walk down that, if you're not ready, cool.
0: Just don't walk down the path. Yeah. All right, like, like you just said, the degree of trauma may differ, but you will confront like guess so I've, I had a very similar experience with mushrooms. I uh, took psilocybin and yep. Had, you know, I've had quite a few mushroom therapy sessions. Since you're opening up with uh, with your story, me too. Like my, my father was around. My parents were around. They're great, incredible parents. And um, again, like being 17, part of my anger going into the great financial crisis. My dad was uh, in the financial world too he's an asset yeah, manager yeah. like selling mm-hmm. uh funds and stuff and i just saw him time and time again we moved to south carolina in 2001 we get down there and you have that mini recession after dot com boom yeah. it's laid off like six months after we go down uh we moved down there and we get back up to the philly area in 2008 not too long after that uh, it seemed like a while at that point in time but now looking back like Five six years isn't that long. We had the great financial crisis, similar thing. yeah Beats the shit out of him again. Go to yeah. college, and I just watched it beat the fuck out of him. yeah And watching that happen to me, to him for me, and then like we went through leaps and bounds. We like we were well off, and yeah. then we would had hard times. And one yeah. of those hard times we hit was when I was at college, and I was like nineteen twenty one, like realizing oh shit. Like and they worked. He worked his ass off to make sure like I didn't have to take out loans, and then. Oh, you got to take out loans. Junior year, I was like, oh, you got to take. Them. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And like, I took things for granted. And yeah. For me, what Shrooms did is like realize, like I didn't have any empathy for my parents and realize yeah. what the struggle they went through. They had me when I was they were 21. Oh they got, wow. They got pregnant. That's rough. They both went to Temple University. My mom had me shortly after they graduated, yeah. and then they had my brother 11 months after me. And so 21. Wow. 22, two kids. Yeah. And they fucking worked their asses off through life, and I never appreciated that. So for me. My, well,
1: that's cool that you did though. That you yeah. got connected with that. Did, yeah. we, did
0: you talk to them about it? I've talked to my dad about it, yeah, and my mom. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, my dad and I. I'll, I'll never forget uh, in Chicago one St. Baddy's Day came out and we were at the bar and I like had that conversation. I was like, "Fuck, man! I never realized uh, how much you're kicking your own ass to give us what you gave us." Uh, like, that's super cool. Yeah, like yeah. So then, What's you know
1: what's funny, man? Like a lot of people who have great parents still have trauma and feel guilty it's like i can't if i have if i have some sort of childhood trauma or issue it means i had bad parents no it doesn't mm-hmm. co-founder conscribe with me this guy zach oberman great dude amazing i met his parent his parents are like the kind of parents you design in your dream and don't think exist right he still has issues it doesn't mean they're bad right like yeah. it, it your trauma is yours mine is mine and like it's a it, all we can do is play the hand that we're dealt, you know. That's mm-hmm. fucking awesome. You
0: did that, though, man. Yeah, no, I mean, what? What? It, how did your dad react? He cried. Um, it was like, you could tell, like good cry, angry yeah, cry, like no, a good cry, like <laughs> thank you for recognizing it. Uh, yeah, you're thankful. So,
1: he never said anything about this to
0: you. Though? No, no yeah you so he it. just like, like i come from an irish catholic family you're an irish catholic oh, well, you're suppress, suppress suppress oh suppress, yeah suppress. philly i should have i don't even know why i think about this uh, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a big suppression culture um that's tr- catholic it's a shame-based culture yes yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, nice weird man if you have good parents uh, uh, that's the thing you can't recognize uh, for, for me at least you don't recognize it you're a little dickhead when you're growing up like
1: yeah, uh-huh. some people are. Uh-huh. I like, I probably was in a lot of ways, no doubt. Uh-huh. It's, fu- I, I have, th- the fourth is literally on the way this week. So I've, I'm, I'm gonna call it four kids. My oldest is seven, he's a boy. And it's so funny, you know, like every parent does the what a parental, parental curse. I hope you have a kid just like you when they get angry. And I remember as, even as a kid thinking, bitch, I hope I do too. Cause I'll do a better job than you did. You're <laughs> fucking terrible. I swear to God, I said that to my mom, she got angry. And I'm not trying to say I'm a perfect dad or even a great dad, but I have definitely done a way better fucking job. I don't think it's that hard to actually be a good parent. You really just have to do one thing, and I'm not. Uh, so many things around parenting can feel like a horrible struggle. Money, yeah, of course, man. I'm not trying. To, the one thing though, you can, if you get right, you're going to be a, a good parent. You just have to uh, unconditionally love your child and then make sure they actually feel that. Mm -hmm. If you do that, man, some of the healthiest people I know were raised in fucking squalor who had parents who did that. And they're like, man, I had the best childhood ever. I didn't know how poor we were. I had no idea that we were barely able to eat and that I actually should have had a traumatic, horrible childhood because of the poverty. My parents loved me so much and I felt so valued and treasured. like." And they're all like the happiest, best people I know, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, If you just get that right. And I'm not saying that's easy, man. Because I'll take my mom as an example. If you don't love yourself, how are you going to love a kid? Like you can't give away what you don't have, you know? So it's like, I used to be really resentful towards her because of how bad of a parent she was. And she was objectively bad. And then during one of my medicine sessions, I realized, oh, fuck. She got it worse than I did from her mom. How the fuck would she even know? Yeah, you can make the argument, well, fuck, go heal your shit. Well, she didn't. And so it's like, all right, well, I mean, I can be mad at her if I want, or I can let that anger go. I can be sad and have compassion for her and then uh, uh, let I go on with my life, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what's funny though, she's still alive. And so every, a lot of people assume, oh, but if I forgive her, then I have to let her back up because she hasn't changed at all. She's mm-hmm. still a mess, right? And I mean that with all compassion, but it's just the truth. And like, no, I can hold boundaries. Like I, the people in my life are all uh, ones that I have uh, uh, healthy interactions with. Not possible for her to have a healthy interaction with me now. So she's not in my life. Doesn't mean I, I've, I've dealt with all my emotions around her. I've forgiven her truly mm-hmm. for um, for what I went through as a kid. And I, under, I understand why. I'm like, but she's not in my life though, man. Like I don't, I. that's what, a, you can have a healthy boundary, but also like deal with shit, you know?
0: Yes. And that's, like setting that boundary is important because on the other side of that, if that person doesn't realize, this is the, another going back to my dad, giving great lessons. Is one of his best, he's instilled in my brother, sister, and I is you're in control of your own happiness. Like nobody yes. controls right. your happiness. Like You have to self-actualize your happiness.
1: How has your old relationship
0: changed since you, you kind of did that, you had that conversation with him, just him? Uh, I mean, we, we have a great relationship. We always have. We, like, we used to like work together. Yeah. Um, and, it was yeah. it was it was
1: good. But now, is it like way better? Are you guys uh, or what? I mean, we talk. Yeah, we talk every day. Um, oh, so you have that kind of relationship?
0: Yeah. Like my dad and I are like, yeah, my dad. Well, I'm very close to my parents, so are my brother and sister. That's, man. That's very, awesome. Yeah.
1: I, that's that's what I hope my kids. Uh, I mean, we're like that now because they're little kids. But as they get older, like that's what I hope. Like you know, like dude. So many ideas in our society are so stupid. Like who came up with the idea that, oh, you get 18, you have to leave. Man, I hope they fucking stay in my house as long as they want. Like, I, I And when they, uh, you know, if they want to go travel the world, something cool, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. If they want to just live in the house for a bunch of uh, years into their 20s or 30s, I'm in. They find, a, you know, a wife or a husband because I have daughters. Uh, cool,
0: great. We'll
1: build your house next to ours. Yeah, like exactly. if you want, we, I'd love that.
0: That's uh. so right now we've got my sister living with me. My brother moved to Austin as well. And we're trying to convince our parents to come down. We're like, all right, get down here. Um, I would love to buy a ranch and do exactly what you just said.
1: I would live in a dumpster
0: over Philly. <laughs> I would live a dumpster in Camden over Philly. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it's, ah, well, you're that's the thing. I, it pains me that Philly's in the state of this. Philly's the bastion of of what this country stands for It's where like the ideals it that used to be. It used to be, yes. Yes, before any of us and were alive. And it's so crazy how uh, it's it's swung to the complete opposite. Dude,
1: direction. if you buy a ranch, buy out and dripping. I'm telling You man, we're building a school there. Like, we got all kinds. Like, I, we started our own school two years ago, and now we got our own land for it. It's going like, I'm
0: telling you. So, let's get into it. You're building a citadel out there, right? No,
1: no, no, no. The the, well, citadel, the uh, city idea, the town idea is not in dripping. Mm-hmm. Dripping is, uh, you know, it's like I don't own much, like 50 something acres. It's not that much for Texas. That's nothing, right? Okay. Um, uh, and and but we, uh, we have a community out there, people, um. There was already a really good, strong community there. So it's not like I'm made dripping. There was a great community out there. That's why I picked it, right? Uh, But then since me and a couple other people I know who are somewhat high profile um, have have moved out there, and so there's like another almost layer on top of that or with that, it's becoming a really, really good community of people um, out there that are all pretty like-minded. There's a lot of them are Bitcoiners. There's one, I don't know if he wants me to put it out there, but one guy, dude, to I... Like, I don't know the, the Bitcoin space that well. I'm pretty sure. He, I know he has a huge YouTube channel and he has a huge following. Um, I think in Bitcoin is the primary thing. He just came out there. A um, couple of others, uh, good friends of mine. It's it's good, man. Yes. It's a good spot. Not the only spot, but a good spot.
0: Well, I think you're proving that you can become sovereign, right? Like you can get out of the malaise of well modernity.
1: Uh, we're as sovereign as we can be right now in America.
0: Well, and, but you have a lot like, you know, let's get into your blog post. Like, you have a view of where the world's going over the next 12, 12 mm-hmm, yeah. years, three to 12 years, yep. and you're preparing, yep. uh, not prepping, you're mm-hmm. preparing. Well,
1: it's different. Prepping is like just being a paranoid hoarder, right? Mm-hmm. Preparing is how do I handle uh, uncertainty and chaos coming, but still live a great life? And, you know, like, and which is basically just being sovereign in core areas food, water. Energy, things like that.
0: Yes. And Texas is a great place to do all that.
1: It things. is maybe the best place in the world right now. Maybe. I think so. I agree. I agree. So <laughs> I'm here,
0: but <laughs> yeah. we'll see. Uh, fuck, man. Let me check the timer because I know you've, no, oh, we've got plenty of time. I've got an hour. I thought, I thought this is, this conversation going great. How, how are you? How are you? Uh, oh, sorry. I, my wife, because she's yeah. literally
1: due this week. Um, I'm, what, with the interview? Great, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, how are you? Is your wife? She's good. Oh yeah, yeah no, she, the okay. baby's not coming. I, yeah. I, dude, trust me, I'd be moving. Like you like, sorry guys, I'm out.
0: <laughs> gotta go have a baby. Cause we do home birth too. So Ooh. like, can I gotta you, get home. Can you help me convince my wife to do that? Uh, all
1: right, so I'm not messing with you. Um, Our midwife in Austin, is the best. Her name is Monica Stone. Okay. Um. She wrote a book on midwifery. My comp- I actually helped. She was so amazing. Our first. Uh. Uh. uh she did. My wife is an NP, right? She mm. she r- runs our medical practice called uh, Ultra Personal Healthcare. It's a you know primary care. Um. And so like uh she like you know when she got pregnant she kind of handled everything, and she's like you know we're doing home birth and I'm like, what 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 kind of witchcraft nonsense is that? And she's like stop it. She's like, I'm like, yeah, it's your body and you know, medicine, but that just seems crazy to me. And she's like, just watch this documentary. And, uh, remember Ricky Lake? Yes. Okay. Yes. All
0: right. You can, daytime, adi- daytime so, talk show. Host, so she, she pulls up a
1: documentary person. for me to watch. Like, honestly, like I'm a little fucking child, right? Pulls up, but she's fucking smart. She knows her shit. She pulls up a documentary to watch and it's Ricky Lake. And I'm like, woman, what kind I'm like, you want the front or the back? You asked me to watch a Ricky Lake documentary. And she's like, shut up and watch this. Turns out it's an amazing documentary. It's called The Business of Being Born. Mm-hmm. Have your wife watch that. Ask her to watch it, right? Um, and then reach out to me. Kind I'll put you in contact or either with my wife or with Monica, who's the midwife in town. Dude, this woman is like, she's like a mystic. I don't know how to explain it, but we've had three home births and they're, Honestly, the most amazing, incredible experiences, soul changing, transformative. Like I can't, if I talk any more about it, you're going to think I'm like a woo-woo kook. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like the most woo-woo kook shit you can imagine. Just it's true. It's after three. I'm not. I. 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 I'm stuttering because I don't know how to even explain it. It's so foreign,
0: but so amazing. Well, having had one in the hospital, that experience alone, even doing it in the hospital, seems horrible. I actually have never done a hospital <laughs> birth. Clearly, but but it it, it it yes, it is weird. The hospitals are terrible places.
1: Oh, dude, it's where you go to die. Everyone <laughs> in medicine tells you stay out of the hospital <laughs> if you
0: can. It's there. I mean, lights. Uh, blinking oh, dude it's, it's anti-human it, really, it
1: is it is the embodiment of technocratic sociopathy
0: elaborate on that please like it is it could, because i i really hope people come away from this episode with not only what we discussed uh, before this but well, this as well like all the like cuz i don't know, I forget when my son was born or we had a situation where my wife had to go to the hospital over the summer and we were just waiting there and it's just when you're waiting in a hospital bed uh and you're in Cape May, New Jersey, and there's just weeping and people talking and people crying and you're going through your own thing and it's it's miserable, miserable experience. All
1: right. So, um, I, I don't want to be the spokesman for why standard Western allopathic medicine is bankrupt. I mean like more morally philosophically bankrupt. I'm not the best spokesman for that. There's a lot of better people who are, Ringing that bell, and they're right about it. But um, look, just ask yourself: when was the last time you went to the doctor's office and you felt better coming out in terms socially, uh, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, socially? Like, no, of course yeah. not, man. I'll cut up the doctor. Well, you, you know why? Because most of them are horrible. <laughs> it's my wife is a is a nurse practitioner, which is like a, they're like the nurse, the fancy nurse that can like write prescriptions and stuff. They're basically like a doctor. Um, And she started her own medical practice because of this, because like everyone hates the medical system. It's so inhuman. It's so so dehumanizing. And so her entire practice, it's monthly subscription. Um, uh, You you can text providers all day, every day, whatever you need on text, video, no wait appointments. When you make a 10 o'clock appointment, you know what time your appointment starts? 10 o'clock? Who would have thought? Right, uh, they they actually listen to you. They take an hour, you know, if you need it. Talk to you. Well, let's try this. It's like imagine if someone uh, they think about the whole like your whole, it's preventative care instead of like oh you're sick take a pill. It's
0: like how do we stop you from getting sick again? Well, that's that's what has turned me away from modern medicine is the incentive structure. Like I'm always when I haven't been in the doctor in a while, but since I lived in New York which is over two and a half years ago now at this point my when I did have to go it was always like alright what are you trying to sell me what are you trying to push <laughs> uh, to
1: right or you don't care yes but right, either I'm pushing this or I don't care
0: yeah it's like what is your insight like are you getting paid to tell me to take something I, I
1: did just happen me me a dentist they're like oh yeah you, we're going to use this cool machine to clean your teeth it's only $2,000 I'm like <laughs> the fuck what <laughs> <laughs> No. Oh, but you need it. No, I don't need it. Get out of here. Just fuck off. That's yeah. the upselling. I got that. I know that. upselling healthcare. Can you imagine? Well, I, yes, because that's the entire medical system. I mean, like, they, well, you want the best argument about why medicine is horrible. Ask yourself, do you like the online ad system? Okay. The U.S. medical system is basically run by the same types of people. Yeah. There you go. It's it. it, How do we extract as much money as possible out of this person, which, you know, from an ad system, I'm like, all right, you know, there's a logic to where that can actually on net produce good. I'm not saying I agree with it, but it's like, yeah, if you get to know me and track, and then you're actually showing me relevant ads, I'm not saying I believe it, but there's at least a logic there in medicine. It is just extractive. You just, In medicine, you get a situation where the CEO of Pfizer sits on the board of of Reuters and then also
0: uh, uh, sponsors CNN. Brought to you by Pfizer. And then they're like, go take your- What kind of
1: idiot do you have to be to not realize that's a major fucking problem? (laughs) Regardless of what, I'm as pro-science as it gets. You, uh, oh, don't don't the, like, fall
0: to like the pro science Like that that whole meme has fucked up society. So like,
1: you're saying you don't believe the science
0: with the <laughs> trademark? Well, that's like that's the people have completely bad <laughs> science. Science is an ongoing discussion, and people have completely bastardized. Like, oh yeah, I can, know, I know. i dude, know. I'm, 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 of course dude, I'm, no ranting. I'm ranting. I'm ranting. I'm not. Listen, if you're at you gonna you
1: know. if you're gonna blasphemize St. Fauci in front of me, we're gonna have we're gonna have problems.
0: <laughs> that motherfucker. God, yeah. no, but it's. So again, this, I can't help but bring it back to Bitcoin because this is the fiat, this is the- Bitcoin the, solves this. Well,
1: th- yeah. maybe- it, Actually, no, actually, seriously, th- there's a direct line there. You can totally make that argument and it's a reasonable one. Yeah, like, hey. It's funny to say, you know, like, oh, uh, hospitals are dehumanizing, Bitcoin solves this, but that's actually not a crazy argument.
0: Well, before we even get to Bitcoin solves this, like what, Create again, it's a, a perverse incentive system that yeah. like you cannot save money. So you have to keep, your, your incentive is not to actually make somebody healthy. It's to keep uh, having coming back to you to buy your wares.
1: Uh, the, the one thing I would say is that it does not require Bitcoin for people to decide. This is a sovereignty issue. Like, like, I, 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 I'm a shit all over the American healthcare system, but I'm also gonna turn that fucking mirror on us. If you accept it, don't bitch about sociopaths exploiting you if you fucking go in there and accept it. Yeah. If you give up your sovereignty, you deserve everything you get period. And I'm uh, that's so, that's the hard truth. So many people even people I deeply agree with bitch and bitch and moan and moan and these people are awful. I've been doing it in this podcast. At the same time, if you give your shit up to them if you voluntarily consent, then you got nothing to complain about. Shut the
0: fuck up. Well, now you're getting to the media the subject so easy to do it though, so it easy is. to submit. It's of easy course. to submit. They make it very easy.
1: I, when I'm selling shit, I want to make the sequence real smooth and easy. Mm-hmm. I yes, of course they make it easy. Why wouldn't they? Yeah,
0: well, why can we convince more people to take the see? Uh, Hold on, listen to what you just said. Can we convince? No, they have to convince themselves.
1: Well, no. I, I'll tell you yeah. what I do. You can do whatever you want, man. I'll tell you what I do. And if you actually look at my doomer. I'm, Oh, man, you know that podcast, the first million, Sam Parr and, and uh, sh- uh, 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 Shawnee. It's like a big podcast, right? Mm-hmm. It's not in the Bitcoin space, so you haven't heard of it. But <laughs> it's <laughs> what your your podcast is to the Bitcoin. Theirs is to like uh young entrepreneur hustle. You know the hustle. You know, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. so it's the hustle's main podcast, okay. right? And so I, I know Sam uh, decently well, and uh, he read the piece. I didn't like send it to him. He read it, and they talked about the piece for ten minutes on. Um, on the podcast, and it was the greatest thing I've ever heard to explain persuasion, right? Because Sam and, and Shawnee completely disagree. Like Sam's pretty leftist in a lot of ways. He doesn't think he is, but he really is. And, and um, uh, they like completely disagree with everything I said. And then Sam said something that was so awesome. I lo- The thing I love about Sam is he's always willing to be honest about himself, right? Even when he's totally fucked up and wrong, he's still honest about himself, so it's awesome. He goes, man, I, I was so just in uh, like I couldn't stop reading and this the piece was so good and I, I like I I'm, I find myself half believing a lot of what he says even though I disagree with him which tells you something's going on and he goes I think it's just maybe cuz the writing is so charismatic it's just such mm. a And that's not man people are like oh Tucker's a great writer no 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 I'm actually not I'm going to tell you what I did in that piece and this is exactly you're a good writer I would uh yeah but that's not the that's not the thing here, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll tell you, and I say, I've seen a lot of Bitcoiners that are pretty good at this, truly, as well. I didn't try, if you read the piece, I don't try to convince anyone of anything. Like, if you notice, mm-hmm. I didn't, here's what you should, there was no no shame language. Here's what I'm no, doing. Right. Getting my Everything, body. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. Here's why I think that. Here's what I'm doing because of it. Here's what I might even be wrong. And here's what I think about
0: that. And that's it. It was just what I'm doing, and nothing else. Yeah, that preface, the, the way you preface it, like even if I'm wrong, I will be better off for having done this. is very powerful. And like, it, it, and it, I'm trying to implement some of it in my life. Too. Got to Texas. Now I'm, I've been back in the gym like a madman uh, since I moved down here, trying to get like in physical shape. You got
1: to fit on with us, husky Texans.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. But then I'm like, waiting to get my license, going to get my gun, trying to. Procure beef. We we haven't talked about that. The beef initiative. I got cows so, on my farm, man. Yeah, he, and at some point,
1: license to carry. <laughs> there you go, Texas LTC.
0: That's uh, that's my next step. But yeah, no, it's a, it's again becoming sovereign. Bitcoin was obviously a first step for me becoming financially sovereign. Yeah, um, which has provided me the opportunity to do a lot of things that I otherwise wouldn't. If I didn't get into Bitcoin, so I'm very thankful for that. But no, it's hard. You have a family, you have responsibilities. And I think the daunting nature of taking sovereignty over your life is, oh, it's, is too much for people to get over.
1: Um, responsibility is a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Because once you take responsibility, you realize when shit's not going, you don't get to blame anyone else. Mm-hmm. That is the other side of sovereignty. I'm so glad you brought that up. That like It's easy to sit here and preach sovereignty, sovereignty, sovereignty. But when the rubber meets the road, it means it's up to you, and it means it doesn't mean no one can help, right? You can have a community. I got a wife, man. I got friends. We, but it, you are responsible, and you don't get to blame other people. It's such an easy, seductive pit to fall into, man. That that a huge part of my emotional work was getting rid of my victim mindset. Mm-hmm. I can't. I I thought I knew how. I thought I'd rooted that shit out of me. And then I started psychedelic medicine about three and a half, almost four years ago. And uh, dude, I blamed so much shit on my parents. Right, That's what, yeah, okay. My mom uh, did leave me with babysitters my whole childhood. That was horrible. I'm the one carrying it forward right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did it. She did it. It happened. It sucked. Why the fuck am I holding on to it? It's not her responsibility now it's my it might not be my fault but it is my mm. responsibility now and i'm the one holding it now and i'm the one carrying it and i'm the one there's a great buddhist saying um uh, uh being anger is like uh or being angry is like uh drinking poison and hoping the other person dies yes right yes, yes. i was doing that mm-hmm. like that's a victim mindset that's a I was about to say a bitch-ass victim mindset, but I'm trying to get out of the judgmental shame uh, sort of mindset, which that is. Um, uh, yeah, and like, dude, man, rooting all that out was so hard, dude. Because then you got a face in yourself. Man, like, didn't it? And you want to talk about some of my grief? I'll tell you another one. I've had so many amazing opportunities in my life that I blew. I blew. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, all right. If we talk about uh, since the thing, people, there was a movie made about I Hope This Her Beer in Hell. That movie should have been fucking amazing. And it was set up to be amazing. And I fucked it up. I,
0: yeah, I remember it being a flop. I, I don't remember why. Yeah, um,
1: there's a lot of reasons why. Right. But if I gave you all the details, it'd be a long, boring story. You'd be like, oh, dude, get this dude off my podcast. But let me, let me tell you like, see, even I'd be bored. Cause I could be, like, oh, the director sucked. He did, right? Uh, you know this problem, that problem. This person fucked me. This, I picked all those motherfuckers. Like I picked that director. So let's say he did suck, motherfucker. Who picked him?
0: Did you do it in haste? Why?
1: No, it, it, God's honest truth, man. He was a director that did the best job of massaging my ego the right way uh, to get in. Okay. I'm not even bad at it, man. Like he was just doing what he was trying to do to get ahead, right? It's my, it's my, it's not his job to do right by. It'd be nice if he did, but it's not his job to do right by me. It's my job to do right by me, right? So I can't. I like, he may have
0: sucked as a director, but man, I picked him. Period. It's taking person like, taking responsibility for it. People want to abdicate blame on Right. And then, else. man,
1: I don't get into like I did all kinds of other
0: just stupid.
1: And so, but, and that's, I don't, that's not even the biggest thing, man. I could detail you 10 other things where I have totally fucked up, massive opportunities I had that people were bringing to me, good people bringing to me in love and I shit on them. Oh, dude, man. And that is so hard to own, right? And I'm not saying I wrong someone. That's hard. That's
0: really hard, but mm-hmm. there's
1: like most people are like okay, I you know like I man I, well, I were you just like yeah, hey, it's
0: not interesting yeah, yeah. or what, what do you mean with when what? these opportunities were presented? Were you are like I don't have time for this. It's not interesting. I, I don't want to be doing this. And then in retrospect, you're like oh maybe I should have done All that. Right, man. Or, uh, 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 <laughs> you
1: know, no, no, it, I can't tell you who. Someone pretty well known um, was an early investor in Uber. Who's a good friend of mine, and he basically offered to get me in. And this is like, when I say early, I mean, this is back when people were making fun of ride sharing. Um, like early, early. I think it was seed. It might've been A, but I think it was seed round. Um, and so, you know, he's it, like, yeah, man, I'm probably get you in for 25 or 50 and whatever. That was, you know, whatever, 150, $200 million decision I made. And I, I dismissed him, not rudely because he's a friend, uh, but it was just more like, this is stupid. He don't know what he's doing. I was very judgmental and very dismissive of angel investing and all the stuff he was doing at the time, which was all about me and my own insecurity because I was trying to do something else and it had nothing to do with him at all. Mm -hmm. He's a great dude. I still friends with him. I love him. Um, uh, Like it was, I, it was my own ego bullshit. man. Just straight up. It's what it was.
0: I on the Uber Seed round. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Passed on the Uber Seed round. There's, a, there's a famous memes of the Seed round and how much money was made. Yeah. Passed on the Uber Seed round. But you can't dwell on it, can you? No. Um, and, and you know, here's the, the truth.
1: It's probably a great thing I didn't get in. I think at that point in my life, I would have been, a, it would have taken my life in a, in a trajectory. If the movie had done well, that might've been the worst thing that had ever happened to me in my life because I would, I was a, f- fucked up kind of shitty person at that period. I was at the height of my really like shitty shittiness and um uh that would have locked me in at that stage of my life. Like if that movie had been a success, I never would have grown or changed in my life. That movie bombing was the inciting event for me to go on the trajectory I'm on now. Like I wouldn't have my wife, kids. I probably would have five or six kids by five or six different women. No, I'm serious. I'd be, it'd be that situation. I truly, man, I I would, I know so many of these people too, who got out to Hollywood, had one big success and never changed, never change. Right. I would have been that dude. I think.
0: What was that moment after uh, the movie wasn't as successful as you had hoped where you're like, fuck, maybe I'm not all that. Like, how would you, It, it, it wasn't one moment. Um,
1: I'll, I'll tell you, i tell you, man, I remember this so fucking clearly, man. It was September 27th, 2009. And I remember the date because that's my birthday. And that was the weekend that my movie came out. The movie made about my life that came out on my 33rd birthday. And, um, we were in Phoenix, Arizona. We just landed at the airport. And I think it was, I might be a day or two off here. It was either Friday or Saturday. And, um, uh, we landed, and uh, the producer, Sean McKittrick, um, who's a, a nice guy, um, he uh, told me the numbers. He emailed me the numbers with no comment. And I remember uh, uh, that's either really good or really bad. And I remember looking at the numbers, and I didn't really quite understand how to read because it was the raw uh, numbers. like It wasn't like you see in the newspaper or, or uh, as you kids now say online. But um, uh uh, and so I was looking at it, I'm like, wait, hold on. These I, at First, I thought it was like, I thought we were having a $10 million opening weekend. Turns out it was going to be like, I don't know, hundred grand or something, whatever. It was multiple zeros off. And so when I realized that, by the time I realized that, I got to the A-Loft in Tempe. This is such a painful memory. Like, you know, like, a, like painful, hard memories, you remember every detail. Mm-hmm. Dude, I can tell you, to this day, I can draw the entire lobby of the Aloft in the room from memory. And I'm you, I stay in Alofts a lot, right? Um, and I remember getting up to the room and I remember I cried the hardest. I think I had cried in my life since I was a young kid. And I honestly thought I was going to die. Like uh, not rationally, but uh, it was it was that level of emotion and that level of crying. I felt like I was going to die, and it was the first time in my life where I ever understood why someone would commit suicide. Uh, I, I I wasn't suicidal, but um, I was in so much pain. I'm like fuck. Now I know. Like with someone who someone is so many people who commit suicide. Like I just wanted the pain to stop. Like yeah, now I get it. Now I'm in the amount of pain where I because before I'm like I, I don't. want I not even judgmental sense, I just had never had. I had that experience.
0: What was a particular pain? It was like, wow, people don't think. So it's it, it, it's
1: it's complex, right? But in a psychological sense, in in a clinical sense, that moment was when my grandiosity, the grandiosity of my narcissism, broke, right? So that's what narcissists do: is you use external validation to essentially to fill the hole in your soul, right? I'm, I'm saying mm-hmm. in the most simplistic way possible. And so up to that point, man, everything I'd done in my my, my ascent to fame had worked, right? And so in my mind, I was a fucking genius. And, you know, anyone who's famous, who intentionally goes out to seek fame, excuse me, um, they're doing it probably almost almost always because they're trying to fill a hole and usually it's a hole in, for mom and dad, right? You two don't love me. I'm going to make the world love me and show you. That was me. Right. Mm-hmm. Or some dynamic like that, but it's, that's the most common. And so like totally unconscious, of course, I knew none of this at the time. And so, uh, you know, it worked, I got rich and I got famous and like girls were coming to sleep with me who I didn't know and all this crazy, amazing shit you can't imagine until it happens. And then it's like amazing. You're like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then like, it just keeps going, going, going. And and all the fame and the money and the rise pushes all the feelings, the, the I'm not worthy, I'm not loves feelings away. What you you're looking anxious? You know what I'm talking about. I it's can't same... stop
0: thinking of BoJack Horseman for some reason. I don't know if you've ever seen that. <laughs> yeah, the, the cartoons. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like it's just like that.
1: That's you're the this only person who's ever taken this story and said BoJack Horseman. <laughs> well, that, that, that's never yeah. happened before <laughs> <No>. in 46
0: <laughs> years of my life. Already... Well, this it, it's <laughs> but <laughs> it's good. it's true. Like people try to fill this void and. Uh, and again, circling back to the core. It's the most hilarious the cultural reference. <laughs> it's the core. It's the but again, it's the core. Because that I think that is actually a powerful show. Like to get to the like desperation and depression that, that exists yeah. in a lot of the people seeking fame specifically. Uh, it's, it's it's
1: usually much deeper than depression. Yeah. It's much deeper. Dude, it's fun. I thought I was like kind of a narcissistic asshole. And then I got to LA and I'm like, oh no, I have a soul. These people are like I didn't know what a soulless narcissist was until I got to LA and got in the entertainment business. I was like, holy fuck, this is horrible. Like, I had no idea it could be like this. It's it's so much worse than you can even imagine, dude. But, Well, well actually, no, now people can. Like, all the Harvey Weinstein and Me Too stuff, I'm so happy that happened, man. That was a no, we didn't even take meetings with Miramax, that was back when he had Miramax, cause everyone knew he was a rapist and not just that. Oh dude, everyone in Hollywood knew. I, like it's not everyone knew, everyone knew. There was a, a screenwriter who worked for Miramax who wrote a whole thing about this on Facebook. He's like, if you came in the office, you knew, we all knew. They all fuck. everyone knew. This is not a, 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 a and but it was. I, it's not, I'm not a woman, right? He's not gonna rape me. But also, he fucked everybody on deals. So it's like, he's a literal rapist, and he's going to screw you on
0: a deal. Why are people doing business with this, dude? Well, again, getting back to sociopaths winning. Oh, dude. And and so, our culture is fucked right now. That's something that I can't stop focusing on, is like, our culture is somewhat demonic and devoid of any actual uh, fulfillment for most people. I would say that culture is... Wow. Mine is not. No, not yours. Okay,
1: if you want to say the shared American culture, I'm with you. Yes. I, yeah, uh, it's pervasive. I, I, I've started to really focus on intent and meaning behind words. I used to be pretty sloppy with the way I talked. I'm pretty I'm, sloppy. Yeah, I, I used to be very sloppy. I'm less sloppy now. I'm not as precise as I'd like. But with some of the things I focus, shame-based language, have to, must, got to, should— I, I, I don't think any of those words exist in that doom or optimism piece, right? And that was the the point I was making there is like, you want to help people do your work, show them what you're doing, and uh, uh, th- that example can help. Be the example, not the commander, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, uh, leading by example, are, those are always the best people. And look at history. Buddha ultimate lead by example. Jesus, ultimate lead by example. Uh, Mother Teresa, uh, Rumi, uh, uh, Krishna, all, uh, whatever. Pick, Take your pick in any culture, ultimate lead by example, right? Mm-hmm. None of them are sitting back telling people what to do, right? They're all lead by examples. I'm a big, I didn't really quite understand this last couple of years, how much I used shame-based language and was telling other people what to do and I realized this actually realization came in a psychedelic medicine session. Every time I'm telling someone else what to do, I'm talking to myself without exception. <laughs> I'm guilty of this. Every fucking well. time. And yes. so I'm like, well, what if I stop talking to other people and telling them what to do? And I just do it. And then I tell, other people, tell people what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I, I love examples too. You know, like Buddha has helped me, even though dude's been dead for thousands of years. His example has been a huge help to me. Same with Jesus. Same with whoever, right? Anyone doing cool shit. Like, oh, look at what, but someone, Tony Robbins doesn't help me because Tony Robbins just tells me what to do. And I know Tony's life and it's fucked. Like, I know Tony. Like, I know his, dude, he's Whatever, <laughs> I know he's helpful for a lot of people. Cool at a certain level of consciousness. If Tony can, Tony's really good. I think at pulling people out of a certain level at, at getting to a level. But that energy, that type of person, right? He's in his sixties, seventies now. That group is, that's all command based, finger point. Do this, do that. Mm-hmm. I think the next wave, and this is what I'm. This is what I'm going to be. But um, and and who I'm. Uh, being now and who i'm trying to become as much as possible is none of this all this but not in like a narcissistic way more in a hey listen here's what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it if it can help you cool great and i'd love to see what you're doing if i can learn from you
0: yeah i mean it's very inspiring too again going back to the doomer optimism piece specifically like it's like oh fuck like the way, again, you say you're not using shameful language It's like, fuck, I, maybe I should be focusing on becoming sovereign, getting a ranch, getting some land, and not depending on others and blaming others. Well, Do you want to? I do. I do. I think I do at least. But then this is the other thing, too. I'm 30. I've got right. a child, another one on the way. Pretty busy. From a career perspective, Is trying to prioritize. That's the hard thing um, for me specifically.
1: What's hard? W- w- prioritizing is hard? Yes, for me. Why? what's well, hard about it I should say
0: I, mean, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity again I want to set my family up for greatness into the future I have mm-hmm. this podcast mm-hmm. I work at a VC firm yeah. on the board of a mining company and it's like alright it's a lot of work yeah and then how do I prioritize family and securing there's the first Family and securing the families first, and then it's like, all right, how much do I take on after that? So and obviously, I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? Yes. After I just had that whole thing,
1: but I, I will tell you um, how I navigated something similar, right? Mm-hmm. And this might help you. Um, I'll tell you the question I kept coming back to. It is, um, what do I want? Right? And that's one of those weird, deceptively simple questions, right? And and, and oh, I want blah, blah blah. No, 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 no. no. And my wife and I both did this together. Really, and it took us months, honestly. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, was this an afternoon? Oh, I was wrong. Took us months to really, what do I want? What do we we really want? Well, this, why do we want that? It's What do you want? And then why? What do you want? And not in a judgmental sense, just understanding like, what is it you're really at? When you say you want a Ferrari, why do you want a Ferrari? Is it because you want girls to fuck you? Is it because you want to race it? Is it because you lusted after one as a kid and it's gonna signify that you've arrived? Any of these reasons are fine. Like then, just understand why you want what you want to make sure you're actually getting what you want, right? Mm-hmm. And so months and months and months of us really asking ourselves what we wanted, right? It, it, both as a family, a couple, a family, and then us individually in ourselves and our businesses. And it took a while for us to first understand what we want. Then it's like, oh, okay. Now, then prioritizing is super easy. But if you, I I had the same problems prioritizing before I really was super clear with
0: myself what I wanted and what was most important to me. Yes. Now, with that perspective, I think I do know what I want. I want... What we actually are doing now here in Austin, which I fucking love, is Sunday is getting the family together, right. having a fire pit, eating multiple meals together, breakfast, lunch, dinner, right. just enjoying each other. Just
1: sometimes. a whole day of being a fat ass. Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah. That <laughs> is judgmental right there, yeah, but I'm yeah. more fucking with fat, you. Yeah, you gorge. Uh, like also just being around family. Right? Uh, of course. Having that connection yeah. and... Uh, that's been one of my favorite things about moving because I haven't lived in the same city as my brother and sister in 12 years and in the last three years. Yeah, and they live months. at your house, right? My sister does. My brother has his own place. Okay. But, um, well, that's cool. And That's a yeah. great place.
1: to. And the cool thing with what you want is it can change as much as you want. Yeah. Right? Like uh, uh, my wife and I started doing this about three, four years ago, pre-COVID, and then COVID shifted everything for us. Because mm-hmm. yeah, pre-COVID, we we had been talking about how oh, we want to get some land someday, someday, of the then COVID hit and it was like, even before all the chaos and mess, right? Where I'm like, oh shit, we need to start getting ready for chaos. It was more like, you know, everyone says they love their family, right? And I do. COVID made me realize I actually like them. <laughs> right? I actually like being around my kids and mm-hmm. my wife. Like I really like being around my wife. Like I don't like being away from her. And I was like, the fuck was I doing before? Like I, I was doing a bunch of stuff. And not even traveling that much. I didn't think I like compared to most people, I wasn't, but like I'm home now, you know, like I'm talking about you know mid-2020. I'm home all the time. And it's fucking great. Like I love it. This is amazing. What was I doing before? And it really we, we sat down. What do we want? Fuck, well, I don't know what we we now we want to be out on land, not just as an abstract idea of land and connecting to nature, but because we can spend all our time together in a place we like and you know, going for walks in this, you know supposed to be a fancy suburb this shitty exurb like sucks <laughs> i want to go for a walk in nature mm-hmm. not in this crap uh subdivision oh yes you know and th- so it can change dude like it's yeah. not like okay i've said what i want this, you know you don't have to that's not your thing forever well, you, you, know, iterate.
0: you iterate you calibrate yeah exactly but it is hard to prioritize without knowing what you want fucker max you're filled with incredible wisdom I feel like uh, hard earned.
1: <laughs> you know the saying like uh, idiots repeat their mistakes. Smart people learn from the mistakes, and genius learn from the mistakes of others. I'm not genius. I've, had, I've made all these mistakes. I'm not even sure I'm smart, but I've definitely made all of these mistakes. <sighs>
0: fuck. Uh, this is. I mean, I'm having a lot of introspection right now. Now I'm thinking like, fuck. Am I a good father? My good husband? Either. good what do
1: you mean by good that's shame based again good uh, good on what are we measure
0: am i uh allowing my wife to be self-fulfilled have our goals allowing her so or, you're in charge in, no not allowing well, you, you, you she's a slave you own her right no, are you no, allowing no. her I uh, see language precise language I'm no good. but seriously that i I used to do the same thing man think yeah. about that for a second yeah yeah my neighbor or have we set up a
1: life for where we can both yeah. find the uh, our own fulfillment. Yeah, that's a totally different orientation, man. Right. And obviously, you're not like a, I'm sure you're not some patriarchal dick to your wife. But think about that language for a yeah. second,
0: man. It's not it's not a small thing. I don't think. No, can't be sloppy but That's something I got to be more precise. Well, I mean,
1: it, it's one of those things where, like. Um, I man, I've always known what NLP and all that stuff is. And like, I like, I know. I, but then once I realized, I was like, man, I use so much shame-based language and so much judgment of myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and then I'll tell you when it really hit me in the nuts, man. When my son was like four, he, uh, maybe three, he did something. He dropped a cup or something. He goes, oh, you're so stupid. And I was like, oh, Fuck. He got that from me. Like that's, that children don't do that to themselves. Mm-hmm. He heard that from me and he, and I, cause God knows my wife, I've never called a kid stupid. I, you'd have to kill me before I'm calling my kids stupid. I would never, but he he imitates me. I mean, he's like, he's like a little version Idiot. of me, right? Yeah, he loves like so much of what I do. I, I can't tell you how much I've learned about myself by watching it reflected in him. And that nothing has been, a quicker impetus to change things that need to change than that. Like when I saw him, Oh my God. I, like it was, yeah, I felt like my heart fell out of my ass, dude. It was, whoa, because it's like, that's the only, I, I knew immediately where he got it. me hearing me talk to me.
0: Having shame.
1: Oh fuck Tucker. Why'd you do that?
0: Like, yeah. That's so stupid.
1: Yeah like that internal dialogue that I'll sometimes make external, right. Mm-hmm. Very hard on myself, very right? judgmental on myself. Right. So I was like, Oh my God,
0: I'm not going to put that down. I'm not going to pass that to him. Your language is important. And how, how do you have the, uh, how do you put the intent in motion? <laughs> I'll tell you what I did. That's all I can do. Uh,
1: um, first I had to decide, okay, this was important, right? I had to have that trigger event, seeing my son, you know, do it. Um, and then it was like, yeah, I sat him down, talked to him about it, whatever. And then for me, I had to, um, it really just came, for me, it became a matter of two things. Unpa- paying attention to what I was saying, as I was saying it, correcting it immediately. Mm-hmm. Drop something, talk yourself off. No, I'm not. I can have compassion for myself. I just made a mistake. It's fine. Right. Notice it. Once I started noticing it, dude, it was actually breathtaking. Like all day, every day, shame-based. Only, mainly with myself. I was actually really good with it with my kids. Like I almost never say this stuff to my kids. Never. Because I'm sensitive to that. That's my grandmother and mother were very much like that. So I was very sensitive about not doing it to my kids. Mm-hmm. Ah, it turns out I was doing it to myself. Yeah. I, I took their orientation to me and replicated it in my own head. So I had to get very conscious of that, number one. And then number two, the deeper work, honestly, is man, I had to go in and deal with all my shame, grief, sadness, whatever. And the more I can feel that, the more I can, and let that go, the more I'm able to recognize, the, the less of that stuff, because the, the, the language is driven by an emotion, right? It's not just coming out of no, it's not just language that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, <clears throat> there's an emotion behind it, a feeling behind it. And so, cause that's how my mother and grandmother talked to me a lot. Right. And so like that belief was embedded in a deep part of me. And so it kind of had to chip away and get at the
0: belief. And it's still not gone. Like if you listen to this podcast, I promise you, you'll find some examples from me. Yeah, it's work in progress. And so you've, touched on it many times throughout psychedelic therapy has really helped you come to a lot of these realizations it's been the most important thing
1: i've done for myself in my life and it's funny people like aren't you married and don't you have kids i'm like yeah and i probably wouldn't be married right now and i'd be a terrible father had i not had that tool to really help me on my therapeutic journey how
0: profound do you think it can be for society in terms of having more individuals heal themselves and Obviously, it's becoming more popular. It's becoming more accepted. John Topkins.
1: As big as you think Bitcoin's going to be, I am that bullish on
0: psychedelics. Okay. Well, I mean,
1: I'm kind of joking, but I'm not, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't, comparison, whatever. The wave that Bitcoin is creating in finance, I think uh, psychedelics is creating the same size of wave. In, not just psychology, like everything, I, like to, this is—it's hard to even explain, right? None of everything I'm about to say would seem absolutely crazy to me five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I feel like trauma is the ocean that everyone in Western society swims in and doesn't realize it, right? It is just like you you would say, you know, pre-Bitcoin, fiat is the ocean everyone swims in financially and not realize it, right? Mm-hmm. Emotionally, socially, the same thing is true for trauma. What Bitcoin does to fiat, psychedelics with proper integration work, not by themselves, uh, does to trauma.
0: So let's dive into that proper integration because I've- indulged in in psychedelics mm-hmm. many times throughout my life right. I, I love psychedelics I, I do think they have this ability to humble you yes because you realize that you can't like the way we perceive the world sober or yes. is that tiny teeny little slice yes yeah. and it really makes you realize the uh, your size in this universe and what we're doing or whatever this is. Right. And it's a very humbling experience, but yes. how enhanced is it with proper guidance? And- <clears throat> so there's two reasons to use psychedelics.
1: Uh, uh, the, the 60s narrative, a lot of it was psychedelics as mind expansion. And psychedelics are very, that's what, kind of what you're talking about. And psychedelics are very, very effective and useful at that. I, um, the other reason to use psychedelics is therapy, healing, mm-hmm. right? Trauma. Trauma work specifically, and um, in my experience, uh, I have not really used psychedelics much for pure mind expansion. You're gonna get both, right? Like you kind of—it's one of those baby with the bathwater things. They're gonna come together. Um, I have used psychedelic. I've never used them recreationally. Truly, like the first time I ever did MDMA was MDMA therapy. Same with mushrooms. Same with LSD. It's so people like what. I'm like, go read the books again. No drugs. Like one time I had a pop brownie or something. That's not even a real psychedelic. Um, uh, but like, that's it. Never. And so like, um, uh, they for me they have been an insanely effective tool for getting to the the talk therapy is extreme. I did years of talk therapy. It's extremely important. But talk therapy is thinking, right? And thinking is important. It's like the metaphor I always use is imagine. You're, you're, you are you're got to uh, go into Manhattan. A map of Manhattan is extremely useful, right? But if you're like, hey, sucker, I'm going to go to Manhattan. And I'm like, okay, here's your map. You're like, all right, cool. I'm like, no, that's it. You just get the map. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I got to also walk the island. Mm-hmm. That's what emotions are, right? Walking the island. Mm-hmm. And with that, for me, without psychedelics, I was able to basically investigate almost none of my own emotional space. I was totally disconnected from my body. So like, imagine like I had a map of the whole island and I was only hanging out in Battery Park City. <laughs> <And> nowhere else, <laughs> right? No, and so like uh, psychedelics basically unlocked the whole island and I got to walk the whole island, right? And so therapy is like the map. So I kind of knew where I was going and I was able to see to, to make a ton of progress because I already had a really good map. The problem comes that people go into psychedelics with no map and no plan to make a map. And they're like, I'm just gonna take a bunch of psychedelics. It's like walking the island randomly, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but if you walk the island randomly, then uh, it, it, you don't come out with any plan. You don't really know where you've been, you know, it, which by itself is not bad, but if you're using them to heal stuff, it's not gonna get you healed. You know, it's not gonna yeah. do much. It'll yeah. do some, but it's not gonna do much, right? And so, and also like, look, man, if you don't know how to deal with grief and you, First time I took LSD therapeutically, I've never taken it recreationally, but first time I did LSD, I took a tiny amount. I laid on that fucking sofa and heaving, racking, full body sobs for nine hours. Holy shit. I, I, remember the time I, t- I just talked about in the Alof, the movie came out and bombed? It was like that for nine hours. I didn't even think I was going to die at that point. I thought I had died multiple times. I mean, it was like, Mm -hmm. I I had no idea. One, I had this much grief. I didn't know there was this much grief in the world. (laughs) It was dude. I had. so, And so like, if I was trying to, a lot of people take this stuff and I get a bad trip. If I wasn't ready for that, if I didn't have a great guide, if I didn't have a therapeutic base on which to put that and understand that and process that, that could have totally put me sideways and unmoored me. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like I get like, I honestly don't understand how people do this shit recreationally. Like I get why sometimes someone takes LSD and goes to a concert and loses their mind because the reality is why that happens a lot of times, not all of the time, but a lot of times is because they have a ton of trauma and their family has totally gaslit them and it pretends it's not there and it comes out on that shit, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, that's the point of psychedelics when done right is to get it up and out. It's a catharsis. Exactly right. And so two, three weeks after that LSD session, my dude, I was like light as a feather. I felt so fucking amazing. I had all this shit that I let like go of that I've been holding on for 40 something years. And like I, I just, I couldn't, I was like the happy people who knew me for years were like, who the fuck are you? What are you like? What's going on? Not in a bad way, but it was, but yeah, if you don't ha- know how to navigate it and have someone there helping you, I th- luckily I got connected into a great guide network, who are very skilled practitioners, and um, uh, and so like good people there helping me. <sighs> man, I hesitate to think like how ho- if I taken this shit recre. Right, I think there's a reason I knew on some level you don't Stay go away. you won't go down this path yet. Like I wasn't ready. If I taken this shit in my twenties, man, I can't. Oh,
0: Interact with some demons, you you come It would would have been
1: so dark,
0: man. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I know a lot of people who like do mushrooms in high school, like it was so dark. I'm never going back. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, when you're ready to face the demons though. Mm -hmm. And that's the lesson is the demons aren't actually demons. It's all part of you. Yes. It's It's all part of you. And once you embrace it all, then you become a whole person and life gets pretty fucking amazing. Allowing yourself to love yourself and all parts of yourself, not just the quote
0: good parts. Yes. And accepting your flaws and
1: it's called it's what Jung calls the shadow it's a very it's classic psychological concept so much of of psychedelics is seeing facing embracing the shadow That's not the only part but that's a huge part especially the healing part i mean that that if you want to understand trauma just understand the shadow it's a, not mm-hmm. exactly the same thing but
0: very very similar the catholic suppression <laughs> oh dude totally <laughs> it's it's hundred percent. Yeah.
1: All that fucking shame, man.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's heavy stuff. It fucking and so you're bullish on this becoming. More, I mean, I'm very excited for veterans specifically, like using this therapy to get over PTSD because you want to talk about trauma. Yeah, I,
1: they, they're those dudes need it bad and being thrown into some shit. Most do. of the studies are, are with uh, war veterans and rape victims, and it's going to be amazingly benefit. It already is amazingly beneficial for them. That's actually not the wave I'm talking about, man. I'm super excited for them. It's gonna be. Yeah. Uh, people like you and I, who are five, 10 years behind us, who don't even realize they have issues, but are totally fucked up and don't know why, this, I'm telling you, man, this is, this is going to unlock so much. And a lot of it is going to be really hard and dark, especially at the beginning, man. I've just been through, like, I'm not done with my therapy, but I'm I'm definitely through the beginning stages, right? Mm-hmm. And and dude, no one could have been more ready than me. I, all this therapeutic background, super well-educated. I got in with amazing guides. I had the best mentors. Everything was set up for me perfectly to, to make this work. And I made it work and it was still hard as fuck. And it almost broke me and I wanted to quit. Multiple times. Mm -hmm. Now I'm so glad. Like I when I say I I wasn't going to quit, I knew I was going to keep going. But it's the hardest shit I've ever done in my life. is facing my own stuff. With you know, this stuff is just a tool to open that up, man. It doesn't do the work for you, right? And those are actually the people who get sideways. Like, oh, I took MDMA and all this horrible stuff came up, and my life is all changed. And now I want to put the genie back in the bottle. It's like.
0: Got to confront the shadow. Uh,
1: normally, when you're going through shit, you're better off to just keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you can turn back around, I guess. But
0: <laughs> where's that? That's going to lead you right uh, back to where you are.
1: Well, but for some people, man, you know, this even was a famous Saint Augustine quote: uh, "Dear Lord, give me chastity and continence, but not yet." <laughs> yeah. If you're not ready, you're not ready. No judgment, man. Like for, I meet a ton of people who know me well, seen the change. Like, dude, it's amazing. I want to do it. And I'll tell them, uh, like, uh, and they'll be like, I'm not ready. I'm like, okay, cool. It'll be here when you're ready. There's no, do not rush. I'm so glad I didn't rush into this. If I'd done this in my 20s or 30s, I think it would have gone, it, at a minimum, it would have been way harder on me. And I think it could have gone sideways. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you how it goes sideways. Another well, one, you can have bad trips or whatever. I mean, let's. There's, there's some extreme, Uh, psychological break issues that can happen, but you can generally vet for those pretty easily. Where I see it go sideways now is a lot of people uh, get into what's called spiritual bypass um, where like they'll, I know people who've done ayahuasca 60 times and their lives are still totally fucked up, right? That's spiritual bypass. It's where like they're chasing the peak experience and they think they're making progress because they keep having these peak experiences, but they don't actually change anything in their lives, right? And so like, doesn't make them bad people, but it, it's you kind of get stuck. It's it's a different form of hedonism in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not in action. It's a different form of hedonism. Like, you, I mean, I, my early life kind of fit the Joker hedonistic archetype really mm-hmm. well. The spiritual archetype can get it. the hedonistic form of that is just chasing chasing the high and never actually doing the work. Yeah. I'm like, I know a lot of people, man, like they're like, oh yeah, they, they play the spiritual card a bunch. And I'm like, listen, man, they're like, oh yeah, come do it. I'm like, I'm not doing anything with you. You guys are just doing drugs with your friends, which is cool. No judgment. I'm not just doing, I'm not into that.
0: I was just about to judge. I was like, cause I was going to say like the hedonism is pretty pervasive and uh-huh. somebody went through it myself. Obviously i partying every weekend in college and for an extended period after that. But then for me personally, I'll just say my experience, it just got boring. Standing in bars, like, why are we doing this every weekend? What's going on here?
1: And it got tedious. For me, it got tedious and unfulfilling, really. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Especially when it became my job. It's like, oh God,
0: this is the worst. Yeah, I imagine like an MTV Real World person and that's what their career becomes, is just going.
1: They get stuck in Showing and partying.
0: That almost happened to me. Yeah, it's... it's, Yeah, it's... uh, yeah, and now you've fucking shook me. I shamed you into not shaming yourself. Yeah. you show, well, <laughs> and I'm, well, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to have shameful language for other people, but again, my experience was like, all right, I don't want to be doing this bar stuff yeah, every weekend. Totally. There's more out there. Yeah, and Bitcoin helped me like provide a Bitcoin solves that. And, well, provide an outlet where it was like, I'd rather be focusing my efforts on educating people about yeah. Bitcoin than
1: yeah. I I'd, I'd want to do like something that. productive and beneficial. Yeah, yeah. Dude, there's nothing wrong with going through those phases. Totally, yeah. nothing wrong with staying in the phases for a long time. There's everyone's path up the mountain is their own, man. It go, it goes different,
0: you know. Yeah. Fuck, man. I could keep going on like this for like hours and hours. But how long? Yeah, we've we we've been going for a while, haven't we? What uh,
1: time is it? Two sixteen.
0: Two sixteen. Wait, hold. We've been going
1: for. Oh yeah. You know what's funny? I well, you scheduled two hours for this. I'm like, what's this? what we we talking about for two hours? This fucking guy. Yeah, it's been great. We I can <laughs> keep going. Totally could keep going.
0: Uh, <sighs> so Although I, I have to say, I think I have a one o'clock lunch. I have a one o'clock call as well, unfortunately. Um, I do. We got to do this again. And it's, it's if only you lived near me. Ah, uh, Well, I do have good. Dude, I'll tell
1: you what. I'll tell you what we should do. Why don't you come out? You can bring your gear. You can come, come out to the ranch. Up,
0: I would, I would love to. I would love to bring, bring the boy, bring yeah, the
1: wife. Totally, um, bring, uh, exact, bring your kids. Uh, we got cows. We got dogs. We might have our sheep by then. It's, I have a gun range, you can, you can, <laughs> dude. I'll, you can shoot my stuff. I know. I mean, I have a full, no bullshit gun range at the at my ranch. And but that's you know for the adults. Kids, I got trampoline, ninja course, swings,
0: uh, tree houses. It's. Amazing! I I'm gonna Look, take, you, you want to get the
1: tree. As I can see, you're like, dude, I want to go be a kid there.
0: <laughs> well, I want to I want to take you up on it because again you were describing like you, know, you sit down with your wife. and You're like, what do you want? And that's something my wife and I, like you said before, COVID. Your wife and I were like, we want to go buy some land. We've been talking about that for like three years All now.
1: Right. So she she's gonna deliver a baby in the next five ten days. Give us about. Three weeks, a month? Holy crap. I thought you were going to say three
0: months at least. No, that's, no, yeah. no. I mean, to host
1: people, it's no yeah. problem. Like, uh, within a month... This is our fourth kid. She's she's like an Irish uh, Catholic <laughs> now. Just, <laughs> get them out and keep working the field or something. You know?
0: <laughs> well, and then I hear, it, like, uh, baby number four, the kids start raising each other a bit, too. So you're about to...
1: Man, that if that happens, uh, my the youngest will be a uh, feral.
0: <laughs> uh, I cannot imagine that. Well, Tucker, Max, you are an inspiration. I, uh, I really 17 year old Marty is like, Holy shit. I uh, can't I believe, know. uh, very cool. Number one, you're talking to him. And number two, it's, uh, in this context. So thank you again for coming on. Thanks
1: um, for having me, man. I'm I'm happy to be here.
0: Thank you for like, being a fucking good example out there. Thank like, And, Shaking me up today. You shook me up today. I'm like thinking. I am uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw like the blank stares I was getting. You know, I was like being introspective as you're talking. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? So,
1: okay. So, so you're on board now. You're buying doggy
0: coin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Elon sold me Elon sold me I hear you're going to be able to buy a Tesla for Dogecoin. coins
1: so. oh, just kidding shit coin jokes <laughs> to big coiners. never get old never because there's always that moment
0: where like is this motherfucker serious if
1: yeah. you try to sell me a shit coin I'll fucking kill him do you, do you understand the stakes Tucker <laughs> right. do not know what proof of stake is <laughs> trust third party like uh,
0: uh, well sir this was a pleasure sure, nice meeting you definitely nice nice to meet you up. as well definitely Peace and love, freaks. Tiki.